We haven't all been in the same room since uh, we were filming with some tigers and elephants. All thanks to Mr. Lexington Isham. We got the opportunity to film a short docu-series for a follow-up show of Tiger King called Tiger Kingdom. I came in a day later than everyone else. I just remember touching down and being like, okay, let me prepare for the fact that we're shooting a bunch of animals that could kill us. Do you think it is better to have tigers live longer from a species standpoint in captivity than to die off but living a fruitful life in the wild. Most kids nowadays want to be a YouTuber. Like yeah. it, it used to be like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. I'll never forget when my sister turned 13, I sat her down and I said, you're going to get Instagram. You're going to see pictures of women on Instagram. This is not how women look in real life. But it is so hard for people to not look at something and judge and, yourself and judge yourself do you think men should financially take care of the woman it depends on what stage of the relationship drew let's talk about you being a helicopter pilot i just jumped out the helicopter and i was not looking at the ground and about halfway to the ground i was like where the is the ground at they take me to this hospital at the time i didn't know a whole lot of spanish so i was like you necesito my, my ankles <laughs> <f> <laughs> It's the end. You are a trooper. Welcome to the Sacred Thomas Podcast. All right, boys. We are sitting here on uh, the Sacred Thomas Podcast here with Thomas A. Baud, Lexi, Isham, 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 and Drew. How y'all doing? Drew Haas. Great. Living Happy life, to brother. be here. We haven't all been in the same room since uh, we were filming with some tigers and elephants and monkeys and chimpanzees. Like, what's up, what's up with that? What a time, huh? <laughs> what a time. Yeah. All you, thanks to Mr. Lexington Isham. He's the no. he's the man that put it all together. He's the reason we were all out there. So yeah, I'll tell you that it was a it was a fun experience, and I couldn't have done it without y'all. Yeah, y'all were the lifeblood behind the whole thing. So. Yeah, well, we, we absolutely appreciate it. Um, it didn't necessarily turn out the way we all wanted, but that was probably the most interesting month I've ever had in my life. No, it was so Like dope. straight up. And I've done a lot of interesting shit. <laughs> yeah, you guys kind of talked about it in your, your guys' episode, yeah? yeah? Yeah, we touched on it briefly. Um, I think one notable thing is like, that time in my life, like it, it was perfect. It was COVID, didn't have much going on. Yeah. Got the call. You know, if, if you were to call me today, there's no way in hell that like- There's no way in hell I would be doing it either. <laughs> right. And I was next to, and like, I'm over here, the only guy that's not in film or doesn't have anything to do with videography. I'm next to Thomas when Lex calls Thomas about the show and I'm like listening, kind of like, like, like what's going on? And yeah. I kind of get the gist of what's going on. I was like- Tell the motherfucker I'll come help for free, bro. <laughs> Yo, tigers and, and, and elephants, I'm in, dude. What do I got to do? Yeah, it was such an interesting like opportunity because when I was presented with it, there was two like business models that I could have done. I could we could have all gotten paid like handsomely, or I could have called in favors and fronted the money myself. I chose the latter, and I th I. Uh, Highly regret that decision, uh, just because the amount of awesome work that you guys have done. I 
I wish that you guys could have been compensated better for. So we only made a dollar an hour because of your just dis- no, I'm kidding. Yeah, because of my my stupid ass. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You guys are getting paid? <laughs> solid reference, solid reference. Oh, shit. No, well, I, I don't regret a thing. I don't yeah. either. I don't that regret was... a thing, bro. I love yeah. every second of it. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I've learned a lot, experienced a lot. It was, it was a great experience. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's, it goes back to like, we get to be here like 0.0000001% of the world ever gets to experience anything like that. Yeah. And we did. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, I was thinking about it with Thomas and Sacred about how how that's set up and how you're able to like capitalize off of those experiences and what that leads to. Cause that leads, that led to like a close relationship with all four of us, four of us. And I wouldn't have changed that even though there's a lot of aspects that I wish I knew now, I wouldn't have changed going through that and the learning experience that I'd learned through that. What's something that you learned from that experience? And, I mean, you were the, the head of it all. You put it together. What's something that you learned? Um, it's so important for the people that you work with to choose the people that you work with carefully. And it's so important to have a good relationship with your partners, business partners, mm. relationship partners, just everyone in your life it's so important to really, really be intentional about who you choose to get in bed with business and relationship wise. And so I think that I was in a position, it's it's interesting, I was having a conversation with my brother and when you're in a position when you have no option but you need to make money, Mm -hmm. you you make decisions off of your back foot instead of if you are able to get out of that back foot, like I just need to make money, need to make money. And you have a system in your life that's set up that you're already making money. Mm-hmm. Those, those decisions on how you move forward become a lot, allow you to make smarter decisions, I think. You're not making decisions based off of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Bro, I yeah. can relate with that so hard too. Like the the scarcity, living off scarcity, the bill to bill and like, Dude, that's what 90% of Americans are doing too. It sucks. They can't chase their dreams for that reason. Yeah. But I also, I think there's something there that you, you're only able to get out of it if you take the risk to get out of it. Absolutely. So like that scarcity mindset, it's kind of double-edged sword because if you don't take the risk and you don't take the opportunity to work with people that you might not work, want to work with in order to get out of it, then you might never get out of it. But then if you... But here's... Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing though. Like if you, you know, if you take the risk and you go broke, if you're already broke, you're not losing a whole lot. You know what I mean? If you're like, if you're already at the bottom, there's not a whole... I mean, debt, yeah. Don't get, like, don't go into debt, but crazy amount of debt. But like, like you said, take the risk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think that's the number one thing I, I think I learned was the ability to choose the people I want to work with Mm. and really, and, and don't rush that decision. Is there, walk me through your process of, you know, building that team. I'm curious. 
you know, why, why did you choose to, to call the people you, you called? We were the best. <laughs> uh, I would prefer to work off of references than finding talent through other sources, like finding talent on social media or finding talent. I'd rather have a reference from, like I'd rather have someone refer someone else and trust that. So, I mean, I've been working with you for four or five years before that. And like, there's not a lot of other people at that time now and, and before that time that I admired more in the space than you. And so when you, when I, my, my mindset going into it was like, I need to get Thomas on board. So I, <laughs> I did whatever I could to get you on board. And once I had you on board, I could then pivot and present, hey, this is the team that we're coming with because we've done so many projects together. Getting other people around us I didn't think was going to be hard. So developing a, a, a core partner, a core two or three people that you can then pitch. I think that was my mindset. Well, I appreciate you bringing me on, man. That's uh, really, uh, I'm honored. I'm honored to be a part of it. So Hell yeah. And what's cool is that you then introduced these two fine gentlemen to, mm-hmm. to me and that that vote of confidence that you had in them, I was like, I'm I'm sold. And what we do isn't it isn't terribly hard. It's it's people that are willing to work hard and learn. And that's like ninety percent of it. Like we brought in Alex. Alex had no idea how to do audio. But again, audio is not hard. It's like a day of training and then you just have to be somewhat intelligent. And Alex is a genius too. Yeah. But like it's it's checking it's checking levels pretty much and making yep. sure everything's recording yep. and that you have batteries and then and then I did PA work and all that is is just doing work yeah that's it and like there's a level of organization that you have to have there's a right. level of like communication that you have and I think that something that I really enjoy with you guys is your ability to communicate. I think is unparalleled. I think that's the the greatest Mm -hmm. skill of our friendship is that like ability to look at someone in the eyes and have a solid like communication cycle with them, I think is, is top tier skill. Absolutely. We had a great conversation last night. Like we went to a lot of different places. Um, I kind of want the audience to know about what you're doing now since, you know, the, the tiger kingdom stuff. I know you are, you've got a, a business in the Grand Canyon, right? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm having an Airbnb guest actually call, I think. You call it right now. Hello? Hello, boss. So I'm the guy who rent your place. Hey, how you doing, man? Well, I'm doing good. I'm not able to get here, but you know, I'm just trying to Oh my goodness. What's uh what's your name? Let me pull up your reservation. Yeah, I got you right here. Try the code. I'm going to give you a new code. Is that okay? Okay. All right. You're going to try 8989 and then the uh, little check mark. Okay. Now, now I got ready because, you know, we tried leech many times. Yeah, hey, yeah, no worries. You're, you're from Brazil, yeah? Yeah, we are. We all are. Oh, hell yeah, so dude. You can do it again. 89. 8-9 and then the check mark.
you're in. I love it, brother. Y'all have a great time. If y'all need anything, let me know. Correct. Yeah, unfortunately, no. Uh, I would I would check Williams. I think they have like a uh, like a gym that you can just get like a ten dollar membership, like a day thing to like okay. quickly share. What about the heating side? How is it turning on? It's pretty cold in here. Yeah, the, I'll 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 send you some instructions on a text message. It'll be easier to text it to you. All right, Brandon, we'll talk soon. Putting out fires. That's all we do, baby. Putting out fires, baby. The, the timing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what do I do? I do that. I, uh, okay. Since then, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was basically all Robert about financial. Kiyosaki, baby. Yeah. All about financial literacy. I realized that when it came to personal finances, I was illiterate. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing that I needed to overcome. I've, I've done well in my marketing career and my videography career. And then, but I would spend money, dude. I'd spend money on tables mm-hmm. at clubs and I would spend money on at bars and just like random things that are not f- smart financial decisions. Right. Things that are not going into your, your, your bucket of, of, assets that are that are making you money yeah and so i read that book that changed everything and then i uh since i'm not w2 find uh qualifying for loans is i'm like the least qualified person to get a loan ever so i knew i wanted to get into an industry that was i was able to put my artistic touch in mm-hmm. without a large amount of capital and that's what led me to glamping so i bought land in joshua tree and arizona Mm-hmm. and threw up a Airstream in Arizona, got it up quicker than Joshua Tree, and it was fully booked the first month. Wow. wow. And then we've scaled up to seven units in the last two and a half years. Wow. Sick, and you started with the Airstream. Um, Why did you decide to start with the Airstream? Uh, the, I'll never forget the first time. Real, real quick, um, can you move the mic a little bit further away? Yeah, am I peeking? It's, it's, you're not peeking at all. It's just so loud. It's so loud. Yeah, yeah. Ed- compared to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> He's I'm edging. This lower. Yeah. I'm edging, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned about that term from yeah. Mr. Drew over here. <laughs> what that what that means? Wait, I guess I missed that part. What's edging? All right. <laughs> Or should we not bring this we up? Should probably not bring I just been here seeing it in memes and then I had to look it up and I was like, oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your question? Why the Airstream? I mean, they're iconic American visually and we get a lot of international tourism. Mm. So the Asian market loves... Airstreams, they call them silver bullets. And so I knew that with a large international consumer base, Airstreams would run out really well. There were no real good Airstreams in the market. And the person I based all of this off of had an Airstream and it was just ugly. I was like, and and he was fully booked out. So I was like, I can just make this 10 times better and charge a higher nightly rate. And you renovated it completely by yourself, huh? Yeah, bought it for twelve thousand. Put about another ten into it, yeah. so I was in for twenty five. 
paid off in four, four or five months. Amazing. Not bad. Yeah. Amazing. Not bad. Not bad. Nice little, nice little gig, dude. That's money, dude. Yeah. So you have, how many tiny homes do you have? How many Airstreams do you have? Uh, we have three Airstreams, two campers, and two tiny homes. Okay. So I started off with an Airstream, then a camper, tiny home, two more Airstreams. And then I was looking at the numbers and I wanted to do another tiny home. So I went to the like marketplace to try to find the tiny home I wanted. Nothing really I, I could find that was, was cool. And so I was like, I could just design something cooler than this. So I designed it and we built it. And so I started my own little tiny home design slash manufacturing company to build tiny homes. Stargazing, huh? Stargazing, yeah. baby. Yes, sir. So That's I it. actually want to talk about stargazing, but before we do, so where you have your Airbnbs located, it's, it's the, what's the experience like for people? It's a good question. So I call it experiential travel because I think that's what we're offering. It's not just a place. It's not like a hotel. Yeah. So you're going to like get out in nature. I think the number one, I think Drew can speak about this the most, but I think the, the best thing that we can do for humans is to, especially in our current culture and our world, is to get out of the city and like get into nature. Yeah, get on, just disconnect. Yeah. Disconnect, get closer with, my, with Mother Earth and... Dude, get some of them juices. Get some of those nature juices flowing. And, and, and man, you can get a really good reset even on a two or three day, you know, trip. You know, even if somebody, for somebody that lives in Arizona, that lives in the city that just wants to get out, just getting away where there's no service even or getting off the phones, like all that, just disconnecting and yeah. just being a part of that. And like, dude, I didn't know that the name of your company was Stargazing. I think that's amazing. I love that. Thanks, man. Yeah, so we, we say the same thing. We... Uh, disconnect in order to reconnect. Yep. Mm. And so our whole thing get is get like disconnect, get away from the world, get away from social media, get away from the news, get away from all the craziness and then reconnect with your loved one, man. Reconnect with the loved ones, reconnect with Mother Earth, reconnect with, with what it's all about. And I think for me, that's getting in touch with who we are at a spiritual level yeah. and then understanding opening up dialogue. I feel like it's a lot easier to open up dialogue when you're sitting underneath a beautiful landscape of stars. So sitting around a fire and like, that's when the real, the good juices start flowing, man. Yeah. yeah. When you think about it, it's, I don't even think most people ever really even touch the ground with their feet anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Before you leave the door, you put on shoes. Like you, like we're at, at some point, level we're supposed to be grounded with the earth you know what i'm saying and we never actually do that that's part of my morning routine literally i when, when i manifest in the morning i sound like a little hippie doing this but <laughs> i wake up in the morning I, I set a chair in my backyard i throw on a certain you know range of of hertz for you know for manifesting i take my shoes off and put them put my feet right on the ground who have been talks about that right hurt Huberman? Huberman. Huberman, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Dr. Huberman, yeah. And when I stayed a month out in the bush, um, I just decided to do a month out in the bush camping, and I slept on the ground. All my ailments went away. My neck pain went away. My lower back pain went away. I thought I had a torn labrum. Haven't had it hurting at all since then. It's been insane. Now, you know, you wake up in the morning, you might have a crick in your back for a little bit just from sleeping on a rock or sleeping, like, kind of sideways, but, like, my ailments that I brought into that camping trip, gone. 
And, the, and a lot of the old people from like where I, from when I say they're like, when you hurt your back, sleep on the ground for a, for a few nights. And I was like, why? It's weird. But like, now I understand. It pulls the inflammation out. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's super special. I think the, the, I'll never forget the first time I had an experience in an Airstream mm-hmm. in Joshua Tree and what that like meant to me. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing was, I, I want to give the opportunity for other people to experience what I felt the first time I stayed in an Airstream. So that was like the vision behind it. And I talked to a lot of other hosts and I think the number one reoccurring theme in all of these successful businesses Mm. that's like outdoor hospitality is uh, they create this, their projects for other reasons that are not money based. Mm. And then those tend to have, make the most money. And most people say that about business anyway. Like you shouldn't be in business for the money. You should be in, you should be in it for the people and the experience. So that, let me ask you this. Do, what do you think the number one thing, because like I've heard of like solving a problem or like is like the, how you should start a business. What, what do you think the number one element in creating a, a new business I think passion. Is? Passion and love for what you're doing. Um, whether it's, you want to start a business with vi- like uh, a video production business. You know, I, I loved filming, so I started. I started to do that because I love to do it. I didn't think I'd make a whole lot of money doing it, but it's led me to where I am today. Um, if you have a passion for, I don't know, um, girly shit. Like what's uh, I was in uh, Corpus Christi. I forgot the name of this business, but it's basically just a bunch of like uh, like greeting cards and like girly notebooks and it's it's it looks super like I, I I personally wouldn't love the store, but it's like a huge hit in Corpus Christi that a lot of people are drawn to and then like the owners there are just are always there and they love it and people come there. It's like a staple. I gotta remember the name of the place. But um I think passion's a huge thing because you it's gonna be really hard to stick through the struggles when it comes to building it if you're not passionate about what you're doing. Let me ask you this. Do you think that you have to be passionate about the specific thing or do you, it could be do you a think mission. you can be passionate about the concept of business? I think oh, that's you, a great question. I mean, because I love business, I the vehicle do. that I use that like Alex Ramosi talks about yeah. that. Like he loves business, whether it was frozen yoga or gym, he would have done business regardless. And so do you think that you can have passion about a subject and then the vehicle that you actually use the passion in can change? Absolutely. I think, I think, there's a million different possibilities. I don't think, I don't know if I'm necessarily built that way. I like being passionate about the subject of business because I'm not. But I'm passionate about working for myself. How would you describe passion? Huh? Like how would you define passion? How would I define passion? It's some, uh, a strong feeling for something. Um, how would I describe passion? So, I mean, passion when it comes to a person it could be love, right? Passion when it comes to a business. Like a burning desire yeah. to, to, to perform a certain duty or perform, it doesn't even have to be a duty, perform an act that you have a burning desire toward. That's how it's it like a strong emotional response yeah. towards something. 
Okay. Like I like that. Yeah. For me, man, like for I feel like God put me on earth to help people. And if I can do that through business in some way, and if I can if I can mesh man, I'm still I'm twenty eight years old. I'm figuring shit out. So I think we're I think we can all collectively say we're still figuring shit out. And my end goal is to be able to figure out how to mesh business and helping people together. Like I love business and I love helping people. And if I can get to a place where I'm doing both of those things, I think I'm going to be a one, very successful Two, I think I'm going to always love what I'm doing. No matter what that business is, as long as I'm helping other people, because it fills my cup to fill other people's cups. So your passion would be helping others the vehicle that you help other people can change. In whatever, yeah, exactly. In whatever way that is. I love business. Like, like I, I just, I, I love business. I'm constantly learning. Like it's, I love, I love learning. I mean, I can even throw in uh, Thomas's story about his, uh, his boating business. I remember he was telling me about how he was always on a boat growing up. You know, his dad has this boat that he was just on the other day. That's, He's what is older than you, probably, you know? Yes, uh, 76, but, 1976. But that led you to, to start your business. Um, and then it's led you to start a social media aspect of it, the boat bro. Right. And that's getting some traction. You've been invited to, um, to what, conferences? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah you can boat manufacturers invited yeah. me out to the release of their brand new boat. But all, all that started That's from so passion, cool. right? Yeah, it was pretty That's sweet. So cool. Say what now? All that started from uh, from a passion, though, right? Yeah, and that passion was passed down from my dad. Yeah, and my dad passed that down to me and all eight of my siblings. Like you know, during the summer on the weekends, that's all we wanted to do is go out on the boat, go skiing, tubing. You know, just we loved it, and yeah, that that was instilled in me from a really young age. So that. Yeah. Stayed with me my entire life and is still here. Yeah. And you wanted a boat and you wanted your boat to make money for you. There you go. Yeah. Found and it's and here's the thing. The uh the party bus business I had. I wanted I mean, okay, this isn't a passion, but in, in college <laughs> I wanted to Shit party. Changes, yeah. I wanted to party. And I want to get paid to party. Party bus company. You know? Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing, man. Like with, with businesses too, is like, especially your first business, dude, you're learning. You learn so much about business. I feel like you can go to school and study business all you want. You don't know shit about business until you got a business, until you're running a business. For sure. Yeah, but that's like everything. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like there, there's a tremendous amount of application that needs to be done in order to learn any type of skill. Like you're not going to learn how to sell un- unless you do a, so. a, a whole number of yeah. cold dude, calls. I, I, dude, I, calls. I, in the last year, I bet I've done I, 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 thousands and thousands and thousands of cold call. I've moved on from that, but I'm so glad that I did it because like getting over that fear of calling 500 people a day, 600 people, like like a ridiculous amount of people a day, like that sucks. But once you can get over that and like do it, like it's, it's awesome. It's just one more tool in your tool belt. Just like, but like, I, like I was just thinking back, like I wish like it, looking back at the naive mindset of being like a 21 year old Drew, 22 year old Drew thinking about all these business ideas and how great it's going to be. And like, I'm going to do all this. Like 
I for sure thought by 25, I was going to be a millionaire and have a wife and kids. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. I'm not saying it can't be done because obviously there are a bunch of people that do it, but like how naive I was. And I like, I love, I, I love that. And I still have that drive to want to, to do that and be those things, but like how much more that goes into it and all the learning, but like, that's what's the process is so, like so much fun. Yeah. And you got to fall in love with the process at the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, otherwise, eventually you're going to give up, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, Chris Williamson talks about this as well. What's more fun, the staying up till five in the morning, working on an essay or the, the two seconds it takes to press submit once it's submitted, you kind of sit there and you're like, ah, that release of being done with it. Yeah. Do you think it's more enjoyable on that release or do you think it's more enjoyable? The Uh, maybe an essay is a bad one. Because I hate, I hate (laughs) writing essays. I hate it. Uh, I love writing essays now. It's just chat GPT, baby. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wish write me a 500 word. (laughs) That's actually crazy. How do you think that that has, impacted as a creative and then what do you think that's gonna trickle down to film there was just a whole writer's strike about it i mean that tells you a lot right there no but like do you think it's gonna trickle into what we do in videography i think it already is yeah in in a certain way like you know you don't have to write your own captions anymore you can go to chat gbt write in a quick prompt and get a caption for you to copy and paste you know, I was just telling Sacred. There's, there's, there's something called Podcastle AI that if any of us in here are saying um, 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 like, like, like too much, like it'll just, it'll like chop it out of there and smooth everything out. You use AI to edit the podcast, don't you? Yeah, um, I, I've definitely. I said um, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do use it. So basically, there's a a tool that will. If you set up these three cameras, multi-cut cameras. Yeah, have you, I use have the same you used one. it? Yeah, yeah it, it works. works pretty. It works it's pretty phenomenal, fucking good. Dude. It, yeah. it literally saves hun- like, I mean, not hundreds of hours, but A it lot saves of hours. like two or three hours per podcast. Editing. Yeah, it's making really? our lives easier. Really? Yeah. So- okay. So, do you think AI it? Because a lot, a lot of the fear around AI is that it's going to take away jobs. I don't think it's going to take away jobs. I think it's going to help creatives save time on jobs. It's going to make us more productive, 100%. And the people who learn it first are going to be ahead of the game. Yeah. Evolve or dissolve. Yeah. Exactly. So you got to learn how to work with it because it's it's not going anywhere else. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of AI. I think that, I think it's a very useful tool and I think I like that. Evolve or dissolve? (laughs) I'm going to tell him to snag that one. (laughs) Take it, bro. Run with it. Oh, that's yeah. good. So, okay, let me ask you guys this. How how do you think working on that project? First off, I just got to get this out. I'm going to, I know I've apologized multiple times. I'm going to apologize uh, one more time to you guys and express truly how grateful I am that you guys went on the trip. One, two, I apologize about the conditions of the trip. Bro, I freaking love pot pies, bro. Don't even worry about it, bro. 24-7, baby. And I'm going to give a quick recap to people if they didn't watch your episode. But basically, uh, we we got the opportunity to film a short docuseries for a follow-up show of Tiger King called Tiger Kingdom. 
where we followed Doc Annell around and basically did an eight-part series following up from the show. We got to interview Joe from jail. We got to hang out with Joe's ex-boyfriend who has a massive crush on Thomas. (laughs) Oh, boy. Hey, I mean, they hung out together alone for a couple hours, so I'm not sure if Thomas has a new boyfriend. That's false, that, you that, told me to go interview. Dylan was there the entire all. time. I said, Thomas, go take him. Go take him in the other room and give him a quick interview. No amount of money, brother. No <laughs> amount of money. Um, but yeah, that was a fun experience. And that's how I met these two gentlemen. But basically, uh, I pulled, I called in favors. And I the pay was terrible. It was just non-existent. And... Uh, we lived in a garage. We lived with in bunk a, beds. We lived in a garage. Lots with bunk of room beds for activities. And, it was and, a frat house. It was yeah. so it was much a frat fun house though. For, so it was a month and a half. A month, something like yeah, that. Month yeah, and yeah. A half. yeah, month and a half. And we ended up actually building extra beds, didn't we? At some point, or Doc did, right? Yeah. Why did we do that? I, Why did you do? I don't know, that? but like we were in the garage of where the celebrities stayed when they came to go to the safari. Yeah. So we hung out with them at night too. Went to the bars with them at night. Like it was a wild experience, man. Yeah. It was dope. It was, I think there was a lot of positive <laughs> negatives to that because I was, I was telling sure. them the other time that I think from a mental health standpoint, that's probably the lowest I've ever been. Yeah. Mental health. You were way, but listen, you were way, you had way more stress on your shoulders than we did, bro. We were, you, you were like producing and trying to get things in the work. You were working with Steven, yeah, with Doc. Yeah. We were just there enjoying our time kind of working like you probably didn't enjoy it as much as we did. Because we we press stop on the record button and we're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we hand yeah. over the the, yeah. the cards footage and, and we're like done. do something with it, bro. Your yeah. job technically like could never be done. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just think that like I'm so grateful for you guys and that you guys even came. That all I was thinking about because when you're on set as a as a director and you guys know this is as a director you you're the quarterback. You got to look out for your team. And mm-hmm. when your team, when you feel like you don't t- are, are not taking care of the team in the way that you should, it, it draws on you and it fucking sucks. And so that's it. It, it was tough for me to see the position I put you guys in and not having the foresight beforehand to know that that was going to be the position I was putting you guys in. And that's that's the little point that I wish I could have taken back and set up a better condition for the team so that we all won better. Um, that being said, it was a phenomenal. I did have a great time with y'all. Oh, uh, so much fun. And yeah, I, I just wanted to go on record apologizing it's, and saying so. No, no apology uh, yeah. needed. Yeah. None of. I don't think I speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for them. We're, we were never expecting an apology from you. I feel like you did the best you could with what you were given. And like I said, man, I don't regret anything. I wouldn't change anything. I love the experience. I love you, bro. I love you too, yeah, bro. same, bro. So, like, there, okay. like, there's no amount of money that I would trade for that experience. Absolutely. Like, that's like, I have done a lot of cool shit in my life. That is top three. And I've done a lot of shit. Yeah, Like, absolutely. dude, it, dude, the first time that I held a, that uh, Angara, the chimp, and looked into a chimp's eyes. Dude, there was, that shit was great. There was something, I, I, I can't, I can't put it into words, man. Like the, 
the feeling, you know, Doc talks about that too, but I think Doc's also, I know he means it, but like, I don't know if he can understand how that, like for me, what that felt like, I, I might not felt like that for y'all, but like, it was like looking into one of y'all's eyes, like looking to another human and being and be like, oh shit, there's some, there's some, there's been some shit between us, like between, but you know, back in a gap. I don't mm. know. It's just, it's just, it was crazy. And like seeing tigers, I remember like the first week we were there, I was selling sacred this today. I was like, whoa, tigers, ligers, elephants, monkeys. And then it was like, after a week, you're, and you're like, Doc's got five girlfriends, four girlfriends, like five girlfriends. What, 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 how many was it now? It was three. Three, okay. Bro, Not, but- <laughs> yeah, but it was like, after a week, you're like, oh, this is normal. Bro, yeah. when, when I came in late, I came in a day later than everyone else, I think, or two yeah. days later or something. Yeah. I just remember touching down and being like, okay, I'm, let me prepare for the fact that we're shooting a bunch of animals that can kill us. And instantly like, oh yeah, they're about to do a tiger walk. I'm like without cages. And then all of a sudden I see Doc, his girlfriends and Cody that walking down with fucking tigers. And I'm like, there's no cages between any of the video guys. Y'all are walking backwards. Don't fall. Cause it might, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the one rule. You can't fall because they get predatory. And Doc said, Doc <laughs> said, you don't have to be fast. You just got it. You just can't be the slowest. <laughs> you just yeah. gotta run the slowest uh, Did I ever tell you guys the story on how I, like how I landed that no. day? No. So, uh, and this is in the heat of everything. This is this is 2020, people. This is right after Tiger King was just the largest show that has ever been seen. Yeah. Largest documentary that's ever been seen. We're there a couple months after it had aired. It was a crazy time. Crazy time. How'd yeah, you so it? COVID happens. Uh, this guy brings me out to uh, the, the Bahamas or some island, Antigua. And I do a, a promo video for him and his company. And I'm there for like two weeks. And he goes, you want to come out to Myrtle Beach and meet Doc Annell? I was like, sure, man. Come out there. We spend like three or four days. And he goes, and me and this gentleman and, and Doc start talking. And he goes, uh, he goes, we, you, we want to do this docu-series. You want to come out and, and film it. Uh, I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you got to show like what you can do. You have to do like a promo video. So I was like, okay, well, I start filming this promo video and I'm like day two. I'll never forget. I had, it was just me with a Ronin sitting and it's Cody and a, a tiger in the water right where the cheetahs were. Mm-hmm. You guys know where the cheetahs and everyone sits yeah, yeah right to the, the left of that in the, in the pond yeah in the, the pond right is. to the left of that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's in that pond with a, a tiger and i'm it's me doc and it's me and doc and then cody and the tiger and that's at, at, at that's it and i'm sitting there nervous as shit <laughs> and this and the tiger's chilling playing around it's like 5 minutes 6 minutes 7 minutes come around and I swear, I kid you not, it's like this. He's chilling. Uh-huh. Tiger's like this. Something happens. I think he hears the Ronin, hears, hears something, and goes like this. And just locks eyes on the camera. And I'm the camera's like this. I'm looking directly at the camera. So I'm looking at this tiger stare me down through a camera lens. Now, I'm not sure if you know much about like photography and... Uh, cinematography, but I'm on a 50 millimeter lens. So a 50 millimeter lens 
if it's sacred like human is human eyesight. No, it's thirty five is a human eyesight. Okay. So I'm I'm fifty. So I'm I'm on a tight lens, and so what is a hundred feet away is looking like fifty feet away, and so I see a tiger dead staring at me in the eye, and I kid you not, in two seconds he was fifty feet away to at my foot. Beelines straight to me, and and I'll never forget. This was probably the coolest experience ever. Literally the scariest moment of my life. I've never been. And you and okay, actually, nobody was between you and the tiger. So it's yeah. Just just keep going. He'll he'll, he'll join us. He'll join us. Cody like didn't have him on chain. Yeah, nothing. No, no, nothing. Tiger's off leash. Okay, or off chain. Yeah, fucking Cody and. He's jumping on Cody and like they're having what they what they normally do, yeah, right? Yeah, they normally play around. And and I'll never forget, bro. Everything's fine. Dead look at me. And the tiger just stops. And Doc knows. Doc's like three feet away from me. Doc immediately like knows. So I I start hearing Doc's like Doc like itching towards me. And I kid you not, within two seconds. From him looking at me, he pauses for two seconds, beelines it to me. And I'll, I'll never forget, Doc is about the distance between me and Thomas. Takes two feet. You guys know in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf fucking slams his fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Always- Doc comes two feet in front or a foot in front of me and slams his little fucking cane yeah. on the ground. And the tiger is, I kid you not, like maybe six inches away from me. And the tiger just stops. Doc said, you shall not yeah, pass. You shall not After that moment, I was like, what the Can fuck am I doing? Then, <laughs> okay, the craziest thing is, and then you still tell us to come out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, hey, yo, this is so much fun. <laughs> and then as soon as we show up, sign these 10 to 15 release pages <laughs> so right now. If you get eaten by a tiger, right if you get eaten by a tiger, <laughs> you, can't you, can't, sue. you can't sue us. Dude, yeah. can we talk about like Doc as a person and the whole, like the whole experience? Like I, I pr- people ask me about Doc sometimes, and I'm like, dude, I love Doc. Like I love Doc. He is insanely intelligent mm-hmm. and insanely charismatic and has these freaking Walker, like what are they what are the Game of Thrones Walker, what are they called? The White Walker. The White Walker what? piercing blue eyes and like Oh yeah. Like he's like I love Doc, but like we told like we told Doc this to our face. They were like, dude, we were like, all of us said it, like, dude, you could be pulling one over on all of us and we wouldn't n- even know, but just because he's that, like he he seems like he's thinking five steps ahead at all times. It's conviction. Yeah. It's the yeah. number one thing yeah. in great leaders is believing in your product. Yeah. You can sell anything to anyone. Yep. If you undeli- undeniably know in your heart that something is a certain way, yep. then you can sell that thing to and, anyone. And from the outside looking in, yes, everything out there seems super weird. Yes, Doc has three girlfriends. Yes, you know, his whole family works there and they make uh, like like make a hundred bucks a week. But Doc, what they don't say in there is that Doc pays for literally everything, haircuts, food, their cars, their everything. And they love what they do. They love the animals and they trust Doc. That was the one thing I did notice. Everyone there 
loved uh, the animals. I can't remember what the one guy's name was, but he was like, man, I used to make millions of dollars selling real estate, but he was like, I came here to make no money because I absolutely love working with these animals. It's also, it's not uncommon. Like there's no. a lot of family businesses that the, absolutely. the people don't make a lot of money, but the the owner of the company takes care of all of your expenses. Yeah. Yep. So it's not it's not an uncommon thing. It's uncommon now if the owner doesn't take care of your stuff and also pays you like shit. Yeah. That's but, something that And everybody there was so nice to us. I mean, Cody didn't really want to deal with this. This that's just cuz he's been burned so bad by Tiger King. Totally understand that. Cody yeah. wants to stay to himself. Cody wants to do his own thing. Um, and that's nothing against Cody at all. Like, I thought it was hilarious. Like, that one day we showed up, Lex was like, all right, Cody, we're going to mic you up and we're going to film you. And he was like, no, you're not. Me and Cody got kind of, like, tight, though, at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think they realized that we weren't there to shit on them like Tiger King was. Like, yeah, the Tiger th- there King was did, an like, ulterior motive with Tiger King, yeah, And then, they, like, the guy in, in Florida, what was uh, what was their name? The, um, the other zoo in Florida that got so shit on. Um, uh, I know which it. one you're talking about. We went... The one we went to together, right? Yes, the one that I drove. Like I pretty much drove the whole way from Myrtle Beach to uh, Miami and then back the next day. Mm. Well, I mean, one thing to note is everyone that works at Myrtle Beach Safari, they all have passion for animals. What we were talking about, passion. Passion. Absolutely. You know, and you you can see that. You go and take a tour there, you can tell that every single person there loves the animals unconditionally. So, man, the... I'll never forget. So, and like, it's so funny how different between Cody and Sarah are. So Sarah is Cody's significant other. And Cody's kind of quiet, reserved to himself, really loves his animals. And like, that's all he cares about. But quiet, reserved, stays to himself. Mm. Sarah's super bubbly and like talks to everybody. Like, dude, I'll never forget. I was probably 10 feet away from her. You were right next to me, actually. And all of a sudden, a lemur just like lands on the side of my face. I'm just like swack, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Sarah's laughing over there, like with the le- like like with the leash yeah. in her. She threw the lemur, like just lightly, like tossed it across the room, like it would have been jumping. So it could jump on you, dude. And it jumped right on yeah. the side of my head, and I was like, yeah. what the their hands feel so oh, weird. They feel yeah. like the they're like they're like soft and sticky at the same time. I feel like you just got done beating off. Then- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I don't know. I was like, I don't know what your shit feels like. <laughs> Dude, you totally should get the BTS from that of us filming there and tie it in with this podcast. It would be so sick. I mean, if I Some can get, if, if I can get access to it, absolutely. Like I said, he's got it, dude. That dude, it would, they would, that would make a sweet. Yeah, yeah. That would be so sweet to like cut in. One hundred percent. That would be great. Dude, to that cut experience in. was just. What else did we do? We hung out with Kalani, and like Kalani Hilliker came out for a while. She was super cool. Kalani loved a party. Yeah, she did, <laughs> dude. I thought it was wild. I didn't even know who Kalani was before she got there. We yeah, all go I. out. We huh? were in like the Neither college town. Yeah, yeah. I didn't we know all go out, there. and then like. All of a sudden, all these girls, like her age, are just like, one oh girl was gosh. like, are you cool, honey? And she was like, yeah. And whew, dude, it was just like, whew. and I was like, who the hell is this chick? Dude? Yeah. <laughs> Dance mom, Dance superstar. Moms. superstar. Yeah. Yeah. There was a magician out there. Oh, and that's how I got. So Jay came out there. I had never met Jay before. Um, Jay Prehistoric with uh, Prehistoric Pets here in LA. He introduced me to 
who is now a really good friend of mine, Ross Smith. And it's just like, and then I took Ross down to uh, Ox Ranch and drive tanks down, um, down in Uvalde. And it's just crazy the connections that I made from going out there, even with y'all and then mm. the connections between us and like Lex and Chris and Alex and um, who else was out there with us? Um, Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, like all those guys, like all the connections that we made just from that. Mm. Dude, I've got lifelong friends from that with y'all and then even people that I met through Doc and them, which is just, it's crazy. It was like a fraternity for real. It really was. Seven dudes <laughs> in a garage, basically, eating Popeyes, yeah. making music videos. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Music video. Now, so the like, music video I have, we could definitely, dude, we could definitely link that to the, the podcast. music video. <laughs> dude, Thomas hit the, ba- Thomas hit the backflip and, then, and then was like, dude. <laughs> hey, dude. That was so much fun, dude. Swimming with bubbles. Like, we all got a relationship. I feel like I could go back there right now and bubbles would remember who I was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Elephants are so smart. Bubbles are so cool, man. Yeah. The fact that he's had her since she was two and she's 39 now. She was 37 when we were, she's like 40 now. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. 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 And, cool. and bubbles is such a big part of the safari. Yeah. yeah. Man. And um, what we got to do every day that would cost a normal person, like, 15 grand just to do what we did every day there. 15 grand a day. A day, per day. <laughs> to swim with bubbles. To swim with bubbles, swim with the baby tigers like we did all the time. What do we call, what do we call ti- tiger shit when they would shit in the pool? What do we call it? Uh, turtle eggs or like what do they call it? <laughs> turtles. They would be like turtle something. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. Something about turtles. Yeah. Yeah. What else went on there, man? We need to get Lex back in here. I don't know. It was just a wild experience. Wild experience. I'm trying to think of like, so I, I know, I feel like I've gotten some work because of it, but not directly. Yo, and they put I some think, of the footage on Tiger King too. They did. Some Wait, of they the, did what? Dude, some of the footage that we filmed is on Tiger King too. They no, they ripped. It is. Oh, have, have you not about, seen it? Did they, did they cut the we, check we need, for that? We, gotta, we gotta get Lex in here. That. We gotta get Lex I mean, here. either way, we signed all of our footage to Lex, so we wouldn't have gotten paid either way. Right, 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 right. But- he should have gotten paid. Yeah. Maybe Steven got paid. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky. <sighs> I don't know. But we got to ask Lex when he comes back. Got to get this man in here. What? Well, all of, all of the footage that they used on Tiger King, was that posted as like a trailer? Did they take that from the trailer? Did they take that from one of the episodes? Do you all know? That I don't know. I know for sure Wait, I saw you- one of the trailer shots. Oh, the footage that they use. Um, I think it was they. They use some clips in the episodes. And did they credit at the end, like credit to Tiger Kingdom or anything? Okay, like I didn't that? look that hard. I, I, I didn't even it. look for. It. I was just taken aback. Hmm. But dude, uh, I wonder if Lex knows. I don't know. I will never forget one thing that used to creep me out so much, and is being there when we would film the night safaris, mm-hmm. and I was running batteries. I'd be walking back. I'd be walking back to, to, to the main safari or back to our house or like getting on the golf cart. And I would be walking through the enclosure basically, like where everything's at, like yeah, where all the lions and tigers are and everything. Like, oh, yeah. And you'd hear, you'd hear, what was the lion's name? You'd hear him like making some crazy ass noises. Ivory. Ivory. Yeah, King Ivory. And then you'd just hear some shit, bro. But like it would make the hair stand up on my neck. And I'll never forget walking back one day because Doc has these. Doc has these badass tunnel systems built for the tigers mm. around the enclosure. So the tigers, they rotate them in and out, can 
they can, you know, get their exercise. And yeah. I remember walking through there at night and hearing, hearing shit and just being like, dude, if somebody left the gate open. I know. I, I know, so right? So fucked, dude. <laughs> so fucked. Yeah, yeah. But good thing they run a tight ship and we were safe. I know, but still, it's just like, like, like I was telling him, Lex, like running batteries back when we would do, when we would film the night safaris and I'd be running batteries back and forth by myself through the woods, like where the, I'd be like, bro, if somebody left the gate open. <laughs> Wait, but, wasn't that, what was the story with, do you guys already say the story with Chris when uh, there was a tiger run or with Alex? And there was in the middle of a tiger run, I think Alex went to go get batteries and come back and he was walking through the tiger, the run? tiger run. That was and, not me. And Chris, I my pants. and Chris goes and, and Alex is like, yeah, I'm coming back with the batteries. And Chris is like, don't like walk by the tigers are literally out running and like literally saved. <laughs> oh, I wish Chris oh, was I remember him saying life. that yeah. on the, over the walkie, right? Yep, I wish Dylan, yeah. 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 I wish Dylan, Chris and Alex were here. That would be so much fun. Dude. Yeah. Bro, Chris cracks me up. But dude, yeah. remember the, like when he interviewed and we were setting up interviews that day, he was when he went off, but um, I was telling him but while you were outside, like, I watched Tiger King too, and they definitely ripped some footage from yeah. the shit that we yeah, see we're, that. yeah, we're in it though. We're in the credits. Oh, oh we're really? In the credits? Yeah. Oh, really? Just that. Tiger Kingdom. Tiger, Tiger Kingdom. Tiger Kingdom. Yeah. No. I mean, our names. Did are anybody not. get? <laughs> <laughs> I don't did want my name. <laughs> I don't want my name on it. Did anybody get paid for that? Did did like like I mean did 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 Kentucky did, get did paid they for ask that? you for it or did they just use it? That when it comes and that's the sad part is that. I, I didn't handle any of the business aspect of it. And that I think was a big regret of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know so if that, they asked permission. I don't know if they got paid. Knowing the business partner we partnered with, I guarantee that we'll never find out mm. if they got paid or not. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he sued Netflix to get paid mm. if he did not get paid. That would have been smart. But there's one. also a, uh, what is it called? A free a, a free license clause in media that if it's under five seconds, you can rip it. Mm. So uh, as right. long as they don't- Fair use. Fair fair use clause, yeah. I remember the name of that zoo now. It was McCarthy. It was McCarthy Zoo. McCarthy. I like that. That, that, that guy, guy was so cool, man. Yeah. His he, place was- The dude with the snow leopard. Place. Yes, and they, right? the one that they made look bad when he actually was like, dude, he's Just done the so guy. much good stuff around yeah. there. Like, it's, hey, and um, I actually went, so after we filmed all that, I went to Miami a year and a half ago. Yeah, about a year and a half ago for Ross's birthday. And we went to the other guys. Uh, I got to go to the other guys' zoo. That was in Tiger King. What's the, the oh, what's this? You know who I'm talking about? The Rob older Mexican Lowe. guy, the guy that, that said he, that they used to talk about being the actual like Scarface guy. Oh, yeah. So I went to his, so so out of Tiger King, the only person's place that I haven't seen is actually Joe's in Oklahoma. Like I went there. And, I've been there. Have you? It's well, you've seen shit. Carol Baskins? Really? I haven't <laughs> seen Carol's. That's right. Is it, That's is right. it I shit? Carol's. Huh? Is it shit? I mean, man. Compared to it's dogs. just as bad as they said on the, on Tiger King, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's tricky. It, I mean, Doc's the thing, place bro. is like a multi-million dollar facility. Yeah, here's the thing. Yeah. You can't so, compete so with the money. Dude. Doc so. said he put thirty million into that place, bro. I believe it. That's what multi would be, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it, but no. So, the, like Joe, Joe's spot. Here's the thing, man. It 
the water that was around, like like the moat that was around the tigers, it just looked like if they drank from there, they were gonna die. It's green. It was green and like bubble. It was just. It wasn't. That's just Oklahoma, bro. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't look like a whole hey, lot was put in that wrong one. Up there, dude. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Uh, yeah. It was, it was it was a money grab, but so the, the difference between Doc's and Joe's was was Joe's. I can see it. It comes out of passion. It comes out of love. I mean, uh, Doc. Did I say Joe? Yeah. <laughs> so, Doc's. Did, yeah. Thomas, yeah. you were saying earlier that you can't even pet tigers, baby tigers anymore, can you? Like we just yeah, we caught the peak of that, right? I think they passed a law where you can't. Well, this right. is this is hearsay from Chris from because Chris, we okay. we were with Chris yesterday. Um, and he said that, yeah, cub petting is no longer a thing. So I knew when we were there that that tigers might not even be around in our lifetime. At, by by the time we're God bless we you know we live eighty ninety years old. They tigers might even be a thing anymore. Well, you know, with modern technology. But anyway, what I'm saying is like the experience that we had, dude. It's going away like that. Like swimming with elephants, handling chimpan- chimpanzees, playing with baby tigers, wolves. We didn't even mention the other cool shit we were there. There was yeah. all kinds of cool shit we were there with. So let me ask you this. Do you think that it's more beneficial for, because at the rate that we're at now, tigers will go extinct in the wild, in the wild, because the Absolutely. wild's not really the wild anymore. Their, their habitat's but, gone. Yeah. So do you think that at the rate that we're operating at now as a civilization, Tigers will go extinct. I think Doc mentioned there was like eighty or ninety years that just tigers will go extinct mm. if I we don't keep even, if we keep on going at the rate that we're going. I don't even know. Like you talking about in the wild, not yeah. in captivity. Do yeah. you think it is better to have tigers live longer from a, a species standpoint in captivity than to die off but living a fruitful life in the wild? Look, um, great I, question. I think, I, th- I think it's better to have them in humane conditions in captivity, and it's and it's more of a situation like docks, or even even better, you know, even if we decide to build a habitat that is protected for these animals, but then they need so much land, so it's like almost. So that's what I'm saying. Like impossible. the saber tooth tiger, if we yeah. put the saber tooth tiger in, or the woolly mammoth in an enclosure, and and base, basically in captivity, would it have been better than the entire species going extinct? They're, listen, like what I'm saying now, what they can do is now they can freeze a bunch of eggs and sperm and shit or like they're, they're, they're rebirthing a woolly mammoth in 2026. Did y'all know that? Yes. They, know. Jamie, look that up real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 young Jamie, look that shit up real quick. Anyway, but like- Wrong seat, get to work, you know, I mean, that, that's an option too, man. Like if they do go extinct, like- with everything we have now, like they can take all their shit and put it in CRISPR and do whatever they need to do with it. But at what point is that your ill, ill like, will or just immoral? Yeah. Right. Like natural selection, the woolly man- mammoth was extinct before humans existed. No, no, not true. I don't know. Don't look at me, bro. I think we lived alongside with woolly mammoths. Yeah. Did they go extinct because of humans? Ice no, Ice Age. Ice Age. Ice Age. Ice Age. So Ice Age. like, is it immoral for us to bring them back whenever natural selection humans pushed fuck them out? Everything how, much, how much does human control play into species longevity? A lot. And what, A lot. And what is 
is that beneficial from a species standpoint? Look, I think everything, everything I think- on earth works together. I think we're all a part of this web and I think humans are fucking up the web a little bit, not a little bit, a lot. Dude, every reaction has an equal and opposite. Every, you know, you know the science bullshit. You know what I'm talking about? Every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction? Yes. I mean, here, I mean, we're asking about morality. Animals don't do that. Nature is metal. Nature doesn't do that. You know what I'm saying? So we're adding our own story into yeah. this. So, what is it anamorphic? Anamorphic is when we put our own science. When we put human feelings and emotions into animals, yeah, Yeah. into animals or nature in general. Nature is cruel. Dude, there's an Instagram page called Nature's Metal. Do I think morality is real? It feels like it to me. But if you think of everything as uh, the universe as a whole, I mean, well, I think as as every living thing in our if you boil down every living thing is doing one action and it's surviving. Mm-hmm. Like from a cells, from animals, everything is just trying to survive. Yeah. And so is putting a tiger in captivity so that it continues to survive m- more moral than letting it live naturally in the state before humans a less moral. I wish I would take some tough mushrooms. One, man, but I, I think, depending on the conditions, if it's captivity in a box, absolutely not. So then, what's the line of what's the line of conditions? Yeah, because you know, like a tiger's range might be a hundred miles. I don't know how it's something, some crazy shit like that. Like yeah. it's it's so it's, it's like how much right? how much land do they need for it for them to, to you know to do tiger shit. But then if you put put two male tigers in that vicinity, naturally they're going to fuck each other up. Exactly. And so us letting that happen, is that more or us not letting that happen more? But like I said, I wish I would have taken some mushrooms before we had this conversation. (laughs) What do you think Lexington? I think Lex just wants to ask, ask the questions. I think that <laughs> I don't know. I, it's it's such a tricky question. I I would love for my selfishly, I would love for my kids and my kids' kids and my kids' 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 kids to be able to experience lions and tigers. I was able to, and I think they're beautiful creatures, and I want to keep them on our planet. Now. I agree that they should not be kept in captivity that are conditions that they that are more harmful than helpful, helpful. to them. Now, what line is that? Because we can't really know. And right? We're raising, guessing that yeah. they're having living a good life. Right. So if they're raised in captivity, they don't know any better either. That's just like cats, like cats, we've like does your dog look like it's having a bad time right now? He looks like he's not giving a fuck. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, that's a wolf, dude. That thing yeah. was a wolf that we bred down. Like, like we don't even think twice about our house cats. We don't think twice. Dude, house cats fuck shit up. House cats are really bad for the environment. Like, I mean, they just kill shit to kill shit and show it to you. I'm serious. Like, cat, like Doc was, you know, Doc was spitting house cat shit to me one time. And he was like, cats kill 
300 birds a year. It's not that much, but it's crazy. And I, and I told, I asked Doc one time, I was like, Doc, why can't they just take, you know, why can't they take these tigers that are raised in captivity? Why can't you just turn them out like a fucking cat? You know, cats kick ass when you turn them out. And he's like, no, they don't. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, my cat brings dead shit all the time to the house. And he's like, the average cat can only live three to six months um, in the wild. Like that, that's about how long they make it until they die, get killed, get eaten. And he's like, the same thing will happen to a tiger that wasn't raised outside of captivity. And I was like, oh. Hmm. So that's a whole thing in itself, like reintroducing them back to the wild. It's a whole whole thing in itself. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even go there. I, it was more of the point yeah. of captivity I I compared to the benefits of captivity compared to the benefit of to, not, them not being here. Yeah. And what's more moral? And is it even our job to identify as as humans? Is it our job to play God? With their species. Well, we I fucked mean, it playing, up. We're playing God by destroying their habitat. Yeah. So it's we're just, doing it regardless. So I, so I think it, it is kind of our job to almost try to reverse that damage. I think everybody doing. could agree with that. So do you reverse it by then giving them um, another captivity or stopping the damage to their? I think the better way would be to stop the damage that we're or doing. Or to, to find or to build more sanctuaries, like massive, massive places where they can survive. Like, dude, the the. The national forest in Alaska, like the whole southeast coast of Alaska, is like 50 million acres. Why can't you find somewhere like that in the world where the tigers can thrive? Like, dude, we, like in Texas, we bring exotics from all over the world that thrive in Texas. You, you can't tell me that there's not any other place in the world where, these, where there's room where these tigers can thrive. Like, why can't we just drop them off out there? But then, then back to the whole thing, every action has their equal and opposite reaction, then the tigers are fucking up the equal species. Yeah. Native species. Yeah. species. So and that's, it's, that's it's the- It's a dangerous game you're but playing. But then at the same time, humans are playing God. Exactly. Humans yeah, are, humans are, are controlling nature we're that assholes. wasn't supposed to be controlled we're by humans. Assholes. We're aliens. Somebody dropped us off here and now we're just fucking up this planet. But you so, know, do you, do you value a human, human life more than you value an animal life? So now we get into a good conversation because well, which, I think we do. I think we should. Well, which, which, we should uh, value which animals more? Humans, that- humans more than animals. I, I agree with that. I, I, I feel think, like a human life is worth more than rose an before animal hose. life, personally. <laughs> I 100% agree why, with that. Why do y'all think that? Uh, the human cognitive. That's why. Yeah. Like, I love I love this dog right here, but he can't do what all four of us can do. You know, yeah. he can't drive a so, car. So that alone makes our, us more valuable. I'm just yeah. asking questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. So then, why are we even thinking about morality? Just the tigers, bro. Oh, man, <laughs> what I, but but with 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 <laughs> with with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my boom is right in your face. Is it? Yep, right across your face. Damn. <laughs> here, here, let's try this. So I think yeah. I think that it 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 plays a fun game there because I do think that we as humans need to take responsibility for yeah. our surroundings. Yeah. And part of that is the animal kingdom. Yeah, I agree. But you you'll get one side, you'll get the the PETA people that say leave them in the wild. And if they go extinct, they go extinct. And who are we to play God? And then you have another set of people like Doc who said, I'd rather these animals be in captivity and our kids, 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 kids get to hang out with them and see them and experience them and the creatures that they are 
for it. I also then look at it from this viewpoint of they're such a powerful, like they could just kill us at any moment. And that yeah. is, is a pretty remarkable thing to just experience. Oh, just to be around them is an experience. It's, it's kind of like looking at the chimp for the first time. Seeing a tiger is wild, man. Yeah. And then seeing Doc walk out as 900-pound liger, holy shit. Yeah. About, yeah. I literally could have shit my pants when he walked that thing out. It was like up to his titties. The, the first time what, I walked out, that was day one. Whenever we day did one that, we did that. The- we did a walk with the liger and we were filming and I remember at some point the liger's neck just went and turned and I forgot who we looked at but Doc's like lose the jacket right now. Yep. Were you with me? Oh, yeah, it was I Chris was, was wearing a puffer. Yep. Yeah. Or was it you? That was I was, a it might have been Chris because I wasn't it was wearing it. tied around his waist. Yeah, like, lose the jacket was right now. Color, he doesn't colorful. like it. He doesn't like it. He's like, oh shit. Yeah, it was like when those, that puffer rubs against the other thing, yeah. that noise. He didn't like yeah. the noise. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a good what, what is, chuff. chuff. That's a good chuff. That's a good chuff right there. <laughs> I have a video of like we're filming the night safari and and uh, I'm filming like the tigers and I pan over and I walk up to Tiger and, he, and uh, to Thomas and he's wiping his face and I said what's wrong Thomas and he had just been filming up close of like one of the tigers like in the enclosement and it sprayed him and it pissed all over him and he goes. I just got pissed on by Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I need a t-shirt now. I need a t-shirt. Yeah, I just got pissed on by Tiger. I just got pissed on by Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Carol Baskin. <laughs> uh, what else was crazy? I mean, what else went on down there? Like, like the chimps, man, how smart. Yeah. They scared me worse than they the tigers, me worse than tigers bro. bro. Yeah, they scared uh, me worse. So grieve, no, Bali. Yeah. It scared me worse Bro. than the tiger. Just because of, off, bud. Because yes. of what, yeah, Bro. Doc had said. Like, I, I'm actually more shit. afraid of y'all being around them. Them slapping the tables, like, and shit like that, dude. Yeah. They are so strong. Yeah. They are so it's, strong. It's insane to know their capabilities and how close fuck they are to like, actual humans. Fuck All the time. Doc, I'd be sitting there eating my chicken pot, my, my thousand chicken pot pie for the month, and Doc would walk into our garage editing slash apartment and <laughs> Bali would just I'd be sitting at this side of the table Bali would sit at that side of the table Doc would sit right there and he would just man I don't like the way that thing looking at me <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think the difference between humans and apes are not a whole lot a couple chromosomes I don't know but from like a psychological standpoint dude I think they're smart as shit I mean, watching that video of uh, Sugriva make coffee coffee in the morning. Mm, Yeah. How wild was that? Dude, Doc and them should should have been able to cut up the footage that we filmed and posted that shit for years. I feel like, I say we, but I feel like y'all did such a, dude, the shots that y'all got out there were insane. They were in. They were insane. Like the shots y'all got were so badass. Like I felt, it felt so cool for me to watch y'all do that. I learned so much for y'all. I mean, like I've dabbled in, in filming and you know and and content creating mm-hmm. for a long time now. And to like to see y'all do that, to see y'all work, the lights, the you know the the interviews, the like y'all every like like dude, it was it seemed professional. And like I've been on other sit, sets and like it's still like even being on other like outdoor sets and stuff like that. What we were doing seemed professional, man. Like we woke up, we had a job, we went and filmed like, hey, today we're doing this. We got three interviews today. We're doing this, this, this. Like mm-hmm. it was, dude, it was, and like the, like I said, the shit that y'all produced that came out of it, I'm like, damn, man. Like I, 
I want to. I want that. Sh- I want it. <laughs> can we have the BTS? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's on a hard drive in my uh, in my office. Dude, that would be amazing. In your office here? Oh, not here. Uh, it's an. I can grab it for you though. Oh, um, we can play some of it over some of this interview. Yeah, yeah, it'd be Easy. amazing. Yeah, there's there's tons of really good shots on it. What's really interesting though is looking at the quality of stuff that they had before us, and then now the quality of stuff that they have because. They hired a new videographer and he's like a young dude mm. who like was like, I saw some of the stuff. He's like came up in the era right after us mm. in the whole travel space. And he like their, their quality is so much elevated. It's like what we shot for the show, yeah. mm. but looking at everything that they shot before, before we arrived, that was cool. That was, that was a really good uh, acknowledgement to how, just talented you guys are yeah. on how the level of quality of our product yeah. that we delivered. It was yeah. nasty, man. It was, it was nasty. Like the tiger runs, the, oh, the, the shots of Cody, you know, like the of jump, like the, the tigers jumping on Cody and stuff like that. Like a lot of those quick badass shots were, I, like, I watched the show. They were on, they put them on the show and I'm sure they would have put way more if they could have. I know for a fact they would have. Yeah, uh, some of the shots are the one in the pool was sweet, and we haven't talked yeah, about like how much awesome. we haven't talked about how much Tiger King said that we went there and we were like, "This is bullshit." Like them, explain. Like I'm trying to remember, it, but yeah, like um, them pointing out the houses and being like, "Oh yeah, that's where she lives," and like like and it just being total bullshit, and then like the whole thing with the McCarthy Zoo, and then like painting them as a bad guy. Oh yeah, and then yeah, going yeah. and seeing his setup and and seeing how much they take care. Like, dude, he yeah, was taking it, in deer that had their legs broken when most people would have just shot them in the ditch. Yeah. He was taking in deer and rehabilitating them and stuff like that. Like, yeah, definitely let me know that how. how Anyone can shoot something TV, and tell their own story. Yep, and twist. Yeah, but that's, that's every TV. That's TV. That's that's, that's TV. Media, but I think that was the moment in my life personally that when I realized it's like, wow, you can't always believe everything you see because, like, a documentary, like, oh, this is, they did their research, they made sure everything was factual. That's not necessarily the case. Sometimes you you create a documentary and you have a narrative that you want to tell, and you're just going to find supporting evidence to tell that narrative. Yeah, most most documentaries are scripted before they even start shooting. They say this is we're gonna we're gonna start with this as an introduction. Our climax is going to be this, and then we're going to do this, and then let's go shoot around right. and figure out how we can get this. Right. And that's I think that they. I mean, Tiger King literally was shot. All the footage was already shot for Tiger King before they made the story of Tiger King. So they took all the footage. Then they packaged it, tried to sell it. They didn't get it sold. Then someone, a new production agency, took the footage and, edited. and created a new story yeah. around the footage. And So it's, it's, it's like re, reverse engineering storytelling yeah. to sell fear. Because that's yeah. literally all it is, because selling fear. Doc said that the first time the Tiger King people came to film at his safari, it was under the guise that it was for conservation. In oh, yeah, they had tricked him. Yeah. yeah. But I don't bad. think they even tricked him. I think that literally they, they went in there to film that. And then they tried selling it, and they didn't get it sold. Yeah, maybe that's... And then when they sold it to the other production agency... 
They, they, he said him. eventually they got. Yeah. I think they eventually obviously tricked him, but I, I, I don't think that when they first filmed. It was, they did a great job of editing, that's for sure. And then, and then think about all the footage that, that got burned. I wonder if anybody has a copy of uh, Like they talk about in Tiger King, like that Joe and them, like supposedly had burned like years of footage that is just gone. Yeah. Some wild shit. I don't know if y'all still follow Joe on Instagram, but he posts some wild shit, dude. I don't. What is he doing right now? He's in prison. <laughs> he's in prison, but he's posting from prison. And dude, it's so funny. People will be talking shit to him in the comments. He will respond to all of them and talk shit back to people in the comments. I saw him. He responded to one of these guys the other day. This guy was like said some something to him on the comment. And Joe just responded, your videos suck. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like trying to run for president and shit from the from. from is Joe. it him responding or is that like his PR team or like what's I going think it's on? him. I think he's I think how much access do you have? Yeah, to how do you get a phone in prison? prison? I, I don't know. I since when do you go to prison and still have a phone? Bro, listen, I worked for some guys down in Mexico and we were catching deer down there. Some guys and um they were strapping GoPros to me and sending the footage to him. Back in the back in prison, he was calling us and shit in the evening off of a cell phone. So. Uh, Mexico's a little different. Mexico's a little different. Things run a little different down there. Yep. Me and Thomas have some good Mexican stories. <laughs> Puerto Vallarta. See, I wasn't going to the nice parts of Mexico. I was on the border of Mexico working, so it was a little, little, little more sketchy down there. A little more, you might get shot in the head. Drew, let's talk about you being a helicopter pilot. Let's talk about it. That's how I met you. Yeah. Yep. What got you into it? Long story short, um, dropped out of college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, went to the oil field, knew I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life because I just, that's what everybody does where I'm from is, you know, they go to college or get, go to the oil field or, or, or they go to a um, plant, which is fine. I just like, I just knew that that wasn't the life I wanted to live. I'd gone down to Costa Rica, met my cousin um, that was 10 years older than me for my senior trip. He introduced me to a younger guy named Marco. Marco called me um, a year later after I dropped out. I was in the oil field. He's like, yo, brother, what's up, man? You want to come live with me down? You know, we talked about it while I was down there. I was like, man, I would love to live down here. He was like, I'll talk to my family. You come live with me for a little while and we'll just surf. Called me up one day, asked me if I wanted to come move in with them for a couple months for free. They'd feed me and everything. Called my boss to put the two weeks in and went down there. Kind of got to th like thinking about like, okay, what the fuck do I want to do with my life? Like, I, you know, I'm like 20 years old. have no idea what I want to do. Um, but this helicopter would fly into this little town, Samra, that we were at um, like once a week. And I think it was delivering medicine or doing something like that. It would just fly in and it would land on the, land on the field. And I was like, that would be badass. I grew up, my grandpa had a little bush plane when, when growing up in a grass runway. And like, I grew up catching exotics and I was around helicopters every now and then with that. And, you know, um, but I was like, it like clicked right then. And I was like, I want to do that. So when I got back from Costa Rica, um, my grandparents were very big about going to some kind of school, going to college. And I did, never thought they'd go for it. So I went to my grandparents' house because they kind of like helped us push, push us through college like all of us grandkids. And I was like, I know you want me to go to college, but I don't know what I want to do, but I think I would love being a helicopter pilot. What do y'all think about that? My grandpa was like, 
I think that'd be a great idea. And I was like, no shit. So I found a school that was an hour and 10 minutes away. And I got my oil field job back. I went and did a discovery flight with them in Veracity Aviation in, um, in Seguin, Texas. And man, I fell in love with that. I went and did a, you know, uh, my discovery flight. My grandpa approved of it. What's a discovery flight? It's like you, you go to school, you pay a hundred bucks. They take you up in a helicopter. They let you take controls. And like, once you're up in the air, they like, they're kind of on there with you. But like, once you're moving in a helicopter, it's like flying an airplane. Like it's, the hovering's the hard part, but like they get, they let you fly a little bit and kind of get a taste for you. You're like, oh shit, it was my first time I had ever been in a helicopter, like ever been flown in one. So my grandpa, God rest his soul, being the, the man that he was, took a loan against his cattle because we raised cattle. He took a bunch of his cattle and took a loan against them and helped me get a loan. It cost me $65,000 to get my commercial license. And I got my old field job back and I would work from, uh, you know, six, seven in the morning to lunchtime to 11 o'clock or so, gauging wells. And then I'd haul ass and fly the rest of the day and come home and I did that five days a week. And I went and got it and um, I flew for a couple of years and I still fly part-time, but just the work, the, the caliper work that we do in Texas is just so dangerous, man. And I'm like, I have had some really good friends crash and die and it just, for the pay that I was making and stuff like that, I I just decided to kind of step back from it a little bit. You know, I was going to Mexico. We were catching deer. I was in South Texas catching deer, gunning deer. We'd gun, you know, 100 deer a day, 500 deer a week sometimes and you're flowing, flying in the brush and people are crashing and dying, like friends of yours and like, I was just like, I'm out. What is catching deer consist of obviously catch deer but what do you for meat no no so um there's a bunch of different reasons that you capture deer live um in which which we have a helicopter you fly over the deer with a net you your videos are incredible yeah <coughs> insert videos I appreciate now that um so yeah you have you necessarily you have a, you have a pistol that's that's got an attachment on the end of it so it's a 308 pistol with an attachment on the end of it has a gas chamber on it right here some of them do um that gas goes into there from a blank 308 cartridge. And then you have four weights in the corners and a net and a canister right here. And it blows out those weights and it shoots them out. And, the, and they're at an angle where, the, where they travel outwards like this and it spreads that net out. It's a lot like shooting a shotgun. You got to get that spread. You got to lead the deer and everything else. And that's how you capture the deer. And the reason that we're doing that is uh, some, some, some of them are for um, relocating. So... Um, Texas Parks and Wildlife might need some animals relocated to a different area. Uh, breeding programs. A lot of the ranches in South Texas have these big white-tailed breeding programs. Um, you'll catch 20 does, put them in a breeder pen, and then you'll catch, you know, they might have 10 of those. They might have 10 of those uh, breeding pens. And then they will, it's just ranch management. Then you'll go and catch the biggest bucks that you find, and they'll put one buck in each one of those pens. And then once they're all bred to that one big buck, they'll release them out later that year. And they do that every year. And while they're while, and while they're doing that, they're also culling. So when they have people, hunters and stuff come out, they'll shoot the the, the genetics of the deer that aren't as good. So each year, the, the genetics get bigger and bigger. And that's why on these high-fence ranches, you have these massive <coughs> white-tailed deer. But what else is really cool about the, you know, the netting deer and all that stuff is Texas has actually brought back with our breeding programs brought back some populations that were dwindling in Africa and started actually exporting those animals back to Africa after we brought back the population here in Texas. 
That's Pure sad. David is another is another like I caught a bunch of Pure David. That's like the two videos on my, on my TikTok that have like, like 50, fifty million and forty million views, whatever it is. Um, that was an animal that was so over hunted and it, like the 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 population just pushed them out, got rid of their habitat. They thrive in Texas. There's a ton of pure David in Texas now, and that's what we were catching. And like, once a ranch gets too many of that certain, you know, animal, and they run out of room, you just go out there and catch them, and another ranch buys them. And it's just you, you said that it's super dangerous in Texas. What makes it so dangerous is the fact that you're flying so low. We're, we're, there's, we're flying low, so a catch crew consists of you got a pilot, yeah. you've got a gunner, and then you have a ground crew, and your ground crew is going to be three to four or five guys, depending on the job. You might have two helicopters and two gunners and two, like, just depends on the job. But yeah. a one man or one catch crew is going to be a pilot, a gunner, which I do with a, a gunning and I work the ground crew. We swap out. And then you're going to have four or five guys on, on, on four-wheelers. We all have walkie-talkies. We're all talking to each other. And the four the guys on the four-wheelers are following the helicopter. And once you net the deer, they come, wrestle the deer out of the net, tie it, put it on the four-wheeler, and then they'll bring it to the nearest road. Then you have other guys um, in trucks that pick up the deer. They'll put them in trailers, and they'll transport them to where they need to go. Then you have a whole another ground crew um, off at the home base, and they're packing nets. And they're so, so the, the guys that are catching the deer, they're bringing the nets back, mm. and they're bringing them back to camp when they're bringing the deer back. And then you have a whole bunch of people there cleaning sticks out of nets, and like it'll be you know three, three to ten people just packing nets. What a wild, what a wild, wild job. Oh, dude, it's, it's it's wild. And like when I say like you are balls to the walls, like you're chasing a helicopter all day that are chasing deer that are running 30, 40 miles an hour in a helicopter and you were just flying. So you're flipping. I have videos of me flipping foilers on top of myself end over end. Flipping I, what? Flipping foilers on top of myself. And the same week I flipped a foiler end over end on top of myself and jumped out of the helicopter and broke my ankle and still caught the deer in Mexico. And then they took me to a... They, after I, so I jumped, we had caught a couple hundred deer that week. I flipped the fooler on top of myself. The next day or two days later, I jumped out of the helicopter from too high. I was trying to catch a deer. Mm -hmm. I was about to get out of the net and I was looking at the deer, my short ass. Like I didn't want to jump out of the helicopter and lose sight, sight of line of the deer. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the deer, took my headset off and the pilot, I didn't even know at the time was like, don't jump yet. Don't jump yet. I sent it, dude. I just jumped out the helicopter and I was not looking at the ground. And about halfway to the ground, I was like, where the fuck's the ground at? And and we were still moving too, and I just snapped my ankle. When I hit the Why are you jumping out of helicopters? T to catch the deer. Barehanded? Yeah. But you shot, wait, you shoot What's the, the net? Point no, of uh, you know, the deer the had a net on its horn, on its head, but it was about to lose its horns. It was that time of the year where their horns were shedding, and the, the net was about to fall off. So I was like, get me down there. I'll just run and catch it with my hands. Like, we do that all the time. I've caught zebras and all kinds of shit. No, we catch zebras the and everything. Most like redneck shit. I've ever yeah, I have a video. I have, I've never showed you the video of me breaking my ankle. I have it on GoPro. I want to see it. No, you have it on your phone. Yeah. Let me let me see yeah, it, dude. and I'll I'll play it on the pod. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I'll, so, I'll pass the phone. Over. That is so, insane, yeah, and dude. That's that's just, just jumping out of helicopters to catch. I had so wait, you you broke you broke your. Ankle I had a, a plate and five screws in my ankle. Because you, you were just too high when you jumped? Or? Yeah. I was just, I, dude, I, dude when, when, when we get to catching, we're, we're wild, man. We're wild and we get after it. And like, Thomas has been on catches before. How crazy? Dude, they're nuts. They're nuts. They're nuts. You said that about a Tiger King. Yeah, too. yeah. One, t 
top top five. <laughs> Ve- I mean, very Texas thing for sure. That's the, I mean, literally the most Texas thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> have, what do you want to do to jump I, out of helicopter, catch a <laughs> deer? Helicopter cowboys. I have some crazy videos on my phone, man. I mean, some crazy videos. Um, hold on, let me see here. That's me flying a helicopter. Yeah, I never naked. heard of, you, of anyone doing that until I saw you do it. I'm like, what? Was the pay this? the same as Tiger Kingdom or what? 400 a day gunning. Is That's pretty good. Yeah, but you're, dude, I've, been flo- I've, been flown the <laughs> I've been flown through the tops of trees before. Like it's, it's not worth the it's, risk. It's so sketchy. I love doing it so much, but it's so sketchy. My, my goal is to make enough money in business to be doing well enough to buy my own helicopter in the next five years, like maybe in five years to where I'm not doing all this danger center because the helicopters are relatively safe if you're not doing the crazy shit that we're doing with them. We're flying low. There, there's, a, there's a chart, a helicopter chart. And it shows you like where the danger zone is and like where the red zone is. We fly in the red zone all the time. Like the, the when shit goes wrong, you die zone. We're flying in that zone all the time. We're low and we're flying fast and, and, and heavy. And high, hot and heavy is not good either, but... Um, yeah, we just, it's just dangerous, man. I, my old boss flew in another helicopter and him and another guy passed away. And now I was close with him and my buddy, Corey, I was talking on Tim on the phone. I've got pictures on my phone of us flying together. Like, I can't, uh, my buddy Marcus, that's a videographer, took some great pictures of us, uh, Barstool Sports. We were filming a bunch of stuff. They filmed a bunch of stuff with us. Corey was dead six days later, flew into a power line and we begged him not to go do the job that he was going to do. What was the job? Spraying to fly into a power line. Spraying, spraying pesticides. Spraying right? pesticides. You're heavy and you're and you and you're overloaded. And he flew into a power line. And you're flying low. And he broke his back the year before doing it, flying. And we wow. were like, bro, don't do it. Don't do it. Let me wow. find these videos right here. So like that's it. This shit like that's scary, man. Scary stuff. I'm so sorry. I'm looking for this video. I'm talking. And about you used to fly rice as well. Yeah, I still fly rice. I might go fly rice. So that, that's relatively safe and it's a lot of fun. You know, we get like, we'll have 30, 30 helicopters. Like, look at all these helicopters right here. Like, like we'll have thir- wow. 26, 30 helicopters in one place taken off in the morning. Explain wow. what flying rice is. So we're pollinating seed rice. Um, they have a mill. They have, I can't talk too much about it because like, they kind of get on our ass about it. But you have a male, a male row of rice and a female row of rice. You fly over the mail row when they're pollinating and it cross-pollinates. So the downwash from the helicopter cross-pollinates, makes a new breed of rice that yields higher yields the next year when you plant that seed that those two made. It's just like cross-pollinating weed or anything else that people do. I didn't know, but they grow a lot of rice in Texas. A ton. Yeah. Yeah, had no well, idea. I, know, I knew in San Marcos, right? They. Here it is. Here's the video. It might take a second to load. Okay. Nope, it loaded right away. This is when you broke your ankle? Yep. So you'll see that it's like barely in that net. You hear me? Get me down, he's gonna lose that horn. Take off my headsets. There's my net gun. And here comes the broken ankle. Snap. (laughs) 
Are you still trying to move? Oh, yeah, dude. I, I caught that deer on one leg, man. I was hopping after it, and I tackled it. I don't know, bro. I feel like if you had hops, you wouldn't have broke your shit. Bro, I did. No, I'm playing, bro. First time, like, dude. <laughs> 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 what did you fast forward it to? Bro, I didn't, I didn't even really want to see your ankle. It's that's why. gross, bro. <laughs> Look at it. Go to the next one. Keep going. Bro. Oh hell no! That's wild. Go to the beginning of the, go Jesus. to the beginning of that video. Yeah. Can we get yeah. some? Can we get some color grading on this video or what? I wasn't gonna say that, but <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it was a great shot, though. But so the oh, I know. You j you jumped out of a moving helicopter. Well, I guess you used to do that all the time. The topography is exactly the same as Arizona's topography. Ugly and flat. <laughs> yeah. And deserty. The grunt. Oh, I knew it was broke. It dislocated yeah. too. It was nasty, man. Jeez. Honestly, the, the the ligaments, the healing of the ligaments from, from that were way worse than the bone break. Did you have surgery yeah. or just a cast? I had surgery, five uh, plate and five screws put in my ankle. Jesus, dude. Yeah. My guy. How about... How about no? <laughs> so you know what I mean? It like and like sometimes and and dude and and the crazy thing is is like Derek that owns the school that's who I was going over there with he couldn't land in a lot of those places including that one so I I had to crawl on top of a foiler and he just hovered above it and I crawled in the helicopter like from where next shit. Oh yeah, Super and that was in Mexico. That, that was in Mexico. And so you then, had to fly from Mexico back to the U.S. No, 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 no. Listen to this shit. These motherfuckers. Derek was like, "Well, we got to finish the job." So I was like, "All right, bet." I netted the rest of the day with a broken ankle, but I was like, "We got to go fly back to the trailer. I got to take this boot off because my ankle. I can feel my my ankle swelling in here." He's like, "You think you broke it?" And I was like, "Dude, it's fucking broken." And we fly back to the to the trailer, and he pulls my boot off, and he goes. Dude, I think you broke your fucking ankle. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no shit. So he was like, we got to ke keep catching. So like me and another uh, guy named Roberto, uh, that uh, Mexican dude lives over there. He got in the helicopter and just finished out the day. And they had a ranch hand take me to uh, uh, Piedras Negras, which is the closest town on the border, to a hospital. This shit's hilarious, bro. They take me to this hospital. And I'm just sitting there and this dude just drops me off and I, it's on a dirt road and this thing's got like a tin roof and like it's a makeshift hospital. It was something else at some point in time. And I'm sitting there and at the time I didn't know a whole lot of uh, uh, Spanish. So I was like, yo necesito, my, my ankle's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> and I was like, wait, my ankle. Yo necesito, <laughs> my ankle's <laughs> So, Which in Spanish does, still doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I need ankle fucked up. <laughs> they just come and break my other ankle. But no, so they so they finally get to me and they throw me on top of this dinosaur of a fucking X-ray machine. Don't pull shit out of my pocket. I got pocket knives on me. I've got shit on me. Every metal everywhere on me. They throw me up on this motherfucker, just firing X-rays at my ass. <laughs> then a doctor comes in. He. <laughs> He uh, he speaks perfect English, and he was like, "So your ankle's broken, and it's gonna need surgery." I'm like, "All right." So he wheels me to this other room, and these fucking hallways are so narrow because this hospital wasn't supposed to be a hospital. 
and he makes a left turn and just slams my broken ankle to a fucking wall, dude. <laughs> he goes, you there. Just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he... Did he say Los So then he gives me... I got my... They gave me a boot, crutches, um, a copy of my x-rays, a copy of my x-rays on a DVD, my prescription for my pain pills, and the entire visit, $196. <laughs> Also, what is a dude who just speaks fluent English in a Mexican hospital, dude, like run-down Mexican bro, hospital? And this, so What's then, this guy's story? He, dude, like I don't know, I don't know. But I was then I was just sitting outside on a curb with a broken ankle in Piedras Negras, not in a good part of town. And I'm just a white, just the only white boy around. People are looking at me and shit with a broken ankle, and I have no fucking idea where the ranch hand is that that dropped me off. I sat there for like an hour and he finally came around and he goes, oh, you're ready? And I was like, bro, I'm going to get killed out here. Yeah, I'm ready. And I met another guy. They, he drove me across the border. I met another guy from um, named Jared from our school. He had a truck there. And I got in that truck and the other guy picked him up and they went back to the ranch. I drove that truck from Mexico back to Seguin with my, with my leg out the window like that with it elevated. So where's Seguin? Seguin's uh, east of San Antonio about... 30 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe. Dude, I would have been immediately like, I'm going home. Yeah, but get me. No, I, I, mean, I stayed another here. day and then netted the next day too after waiting for the other guy to get there with a boot on. I got pictures of that shit too. Why? Do you think that you have a little bit of the tism? Maybe. Because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because that is wild. <laughs> Dude, I got that level of of insanity is something that I I there's that makes no sense to me. You do crazy things whenever you don't have health insurance. Oh no, dude! And then I had to go back and pay for the surgery with no health insurance. That was terrible. Should have stayed in Mexico for should, that one, dude. Because he asked me if I wanted to do the Mexico the surgery there, and I said, "Fuck no, no." But I should have. Probably would have ended up with a tit, with a boob job. Hey, man. <laughs> How did y'all get onto this? I, I asked, don't know. I asked, I asked him about his uh and, and, and then I'm ADD oh. as fuck and went down a left curb and right and back left again. I enjoyed it. I knew it was a good story. That's wild. That is yeah. so crazy. Yeah, dude. I've got videos of people with bobcats in their house and shit in Mexico and like they look like they're mounted and, like, and they'll just like swat you when you walk by. The bobcats? Yeah, dude, I got videos of that shit, too. Look at this. So, wait, what? So, okay, I know you said you stopped because you've had, it's super dangerous. At what point did you stop? Because you clearly kept going for a couple of days. Well, I still, I still fly. You clearly netted I, the I, next I, day, so. so. I still get the itch, man. I still get the itch to want to go fly, and which I do, and, like, it's, like, one of those things, like, you don't want to let go. That's, like, part of your past that you don't want to let go. Like, like, like getting, drinking. Yeah, I get it. I, everybody here has either done a sport or done something where they've worked around a bunch of other men and like the camaraderie yeah. of that. Like, just like we, when we had the, bro, yeah. like just like we were in, in Myrtle, you get with a group of guys that like, like to do that shit. And like, dude, it's so much like our crew in Mexico. I trained the whole crew. Like we had two guys the first time I went over there that were good. And then we, those guys didn't come help us after that. So I had to train our entire crew how to catch deer. I've been doing it my whole life, catching exotics and stuff like that. So like I had to train those guys how to do that stuff. And like, 
they didn't speak English. One, like, like that was all through like hand signals and just showing them how to do it. One guy spoke English. And that's another thing is the cartel was wild over there, dude. Like, like they would, they flew. So we would fly from ranch to ranch. We'd finish at one and then they would drive our bags and stuff to the next one. We got to one ranch one time and Emmanuel got there, opened the back door to get my, to get my bag. And my shit in my bag and Derek's bag is just all mixed together and just strewn all over the truck. And I'm like, Emmanuel, what the fuck, dude? He goes, oh, I'm sorry, man, the cartel, man. He's saying, you know, they pull me over, they put the machine guns and the bazookas and they take my ID and some fuel and they throw your shit everywhere. And I was like, fuck, bro, you good? And he's like, yeah, it's okay. I was like, <laughs> damn, dude. You didn't quit after that? Bro, and like, I have pictures of our fuel filters. Helicopters are supposed to fly with very clean fuel. Very clean. I have a picture on my phone somewhere in here and we're pulling the we're pulling the fuel filters off the tanks and just rust and dirt fly, flying. And we've been flying around and I'm like, what the fuck? And like shit like that is what kills you, dude. Like you'll be flying and like as low as we are, you don't have any room to auto rotate. Your engine goes out that low and you, and, and, and you don't flare fast enough. Like you are in the dirt rolling, dude. You mentioned one thing in there about having the camaraderie with other Men. guys like yes. in the in the trenches. Yep. <clears throat> Do you think that as a society we're losing that? Oh, a thousand percent. So then, what what did we what what did we lose specifically? Like, what did we have in the past that we no longer have now? Laptops. We're working from, we're not working in factories anymore, which is not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm, I'm saying like, like men worked in factories, men worked on farms, women worked together. It was women, camaraderie of women working together, men working together. And now we don't have that. And now you need that. You need to find a group of men that have the same values and the same beliefs as you. And you need to build a tribe. Well, that's why I think that people. you have people like Andrew Tate that are so popular is because they push that they, message. Dude, and they stick to it. It, it. That's another thing is he doesn't go back and forth on his values and shit like that. Andrew Tate is Andrew Tate unapologetically and he sticks to what he says, man. And like people like that shit because we're full, full of soft people. Weak men make hard times. Hard men make easy times. Easy times make weak men. What cycle do you think we're in right now? We are on the very weak men side of things and shit's about to get real fucking hard. That's where we're at. Why so do you think what, shit's about to get so real fucking hard? Dude, you can look back on history. You can look back on history and that's just how it repeats itself. When shit gets too easy that people start complaining about shit like, like we're dealing with right now, like complaining about like people get, getting so butthurt about everything. That's the thing, like we 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 have it so cushed right now that we don't have to worry about a fucking thing. So we create so we problems. create problems. Yeah. That's where we're at right now. Like it's not good, man. And like I think back to the thing is like you need to surround yourself with men that are gonna push you and get that camaraderie and like hold you accountable. Hold you accountable. Now, how do you think that because I think I struggle with that, and I think that Alex Hamosis talks about this as well, is I know personally that I'm in a point in my life where the friends that I hung out with You've previously, outgrown I've outgrown, but I don't have the I don't have the statistics or resume in my life currently to 
be a part of the group of men that I want to be Listen, associated with. I, dude, I have, man, like, I'm so glad you even brought that up right now. A year and a half ago, I was in the same exact position you're in, kind of. Two of my best friends moved away from Austin that very like-minded like I am, entrepreneurs, very hard workers, want to grind. They moved. So I'm sitting here in Austin. I don't have, I, I have friends, but I have people that want to go out and drink a lot and stuff like that. Um, and I had this associate of mine that is in his late 30s, uh, hangs out with other guys that are very successful, very hardened guys, Navy SEALs and Marines and, and, and Medal of Honor uh, recipients. And they work out, they were working out at 5 a.m., three, four days a week, five days a week. And he was just an associate of mine. Um, <clears throat> and I'd only met him a couple times. You have to seek out those people and see if they will, will, will bring you in and surround yourself with them. I called Brandon, Brandon Harrell. Really, he's like my mentor, a really good friend of mine now. I called him and I, I called him up one day and I said, hey, Brandon, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Like I want to surround myself with men that are going places that are, that are disciplined, that can push me because I'm used to being the friend that pushes the people around me and I love doing it. I love filling other people's cups. Like I said earlier, it fills my cup. I love helping. But I didn't have anybody to push me and that was a problem. So I called Brandon and I was like, hey man, I need a kick in the ass. I need to be around some men. Would you mind if I drove up there and worked out with you guys one day a week? Absolutely, man. Bring your ass up here. He lives an hour from me one way, an hour and a half through traffic back home. But he's like, we start at 5 a.m. You can come here. You're invited. But if you skip on one rep and we catch you, you get one chance. And if you do it again, you're never invited back here. And you show up at 5 a.m. I said, done. I woke up at 3.55 in the morning, one day a week for the last year and a half. I missed some weeks, you know, I'm traveling, whatever. But like as much as I can get up there, one or two days a week, I wake my ass up, I drive around there and I surround myself with those men and it has been the best decision I've ever made in my life. And they murdered me when I went up there. I thought I was in shape when I went up there. These motherfuckers were running circles around me, dude. And I was looking at them and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, there's levels to this shit. And dude, my life has changed so incrementally from, from, from then. And like my mindset, my, my mental discipline of don't listen to your bitch voice. And that bitch voice is like, oh, I don't feel like working out right now. Fucking do it, dude. Oh, I don't want to hit the snooze button right now. I lose my bitch voice sometime, but I've labeled it. And I know what that motherfucker sounds like now. And once you label your bitch voice and you know where it's coming from, you can tell it to shut the fuck up. And that's one really good thing I've learned from being with those guys up there. But what I'm getting to, find the fucking guys that you want to be around. Wait, hold on. And Before get with you them. get there, how would you suggest labeling <clears throat> and finding that voice? Easiest way is when you walk past the dishes and you're like, I need to wash those dishes right now. But that, that, that other voice in your head's like, ah, now you can do it later. That's your bitch voice. When you wake up and you're like, yeah, I can sleep 20 more minutes. That's your bitch voice. And I'll tell you a quick tip to get over that right now is the five, four, three, two, one method. I won't get into it. Just look at, look at it. Five look at it. Rule. Five second rule. It five will second. change your fucking life. That's all I'll say about it. It's a book? Nope. It's just a quick little YouTube video and it's a woman <laughs> named, and I can't think of her name right Mel now. Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins. She's a genius. It's also a book. Love yeah. Book tour. Have you read the book? No, but it will change, it will change your life. Yeah. <laughs> it will change your life. 
your bitch voice is, oh, I've got one more set at the gym, but I don't feel like doing it. Or your bitch voice is, I can't push that much longer. Like that, that thing telling you to quit because your body is so much stronger than your mind. Your mind is trying to protect you. It wants it to be easy. It wants everything to be easy. So that's your, so that's your bitch voice, that inner bitch voice when you've got a lot more in the tank. So once you can label that and start noticing it throughout your day, because you're going to, you're going to start here now that you've, that I've said that you're going to start hearing it all the time. You're like, no, that's my bitch voice. And once you put a label on them, you don't have to call it your bitch voice. Call it, you know, your nagger, your nagging like voice or whatever. That sounded terrible. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's you be know, very uh, enunciated. Yes. On our Call it your bitch voice. voice. Like, just, I wouldn't even have, have heard that until you actually pointed it out, to be honest. Yeah, but like, I was, like I was like, shit. <laughs> I'm not cutting shit. <laughs> oh, this is a great podcast, guys. I'm sweating a little bit now. It made me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like that bitch voice, but like what I'm getting to is find some men that you want to be like, you are the average of the five people you hang around the most. And so is your income. And I was like, I fucking hate my income right now. I'm broke. This fucking sucks. I want to be more disciplined. Like I need to be around some men that want to get down and like, I need a fucking tribe. And like, dude, we call it, it's our, it's, we call it the 5am crew. And since then, my other two boys have moved back to town. I've been spending a lot more time with them too. And like, I feel like, and I've been gone for the last, you know, for the last month and a half um, doing some other shit. And I feel so ungrounded right now and uncentered. Just talking about it feels better right now. But like, I need that group. I, I need it. And I think, I think everybody needs that kind of outlet. And not only that is, dude, I got an insane fucking shape. Like insane. I did 75 hard with those guys. Like, we got in crazy good shape, better shape than I ever thought I could get in. And I just have so much more confidence in my ability to not listen to that bitch voice. What has that done for you mentally? Because I know that's a, it's a physical thing that you're doing, but what has it done for you mentally? Dude, the barriers that I've been able to break through mentally, the more you say no to your bitch voice, the stronger you get mentally. That's all it is to it. The, the stronger you get... And, and then you add diet into that. And like, yeah, I fall off sometime. Sometimes the bitch voice wins. Like that's fair that that happens to people. But the more you do it, David Goggins talks about it, like callousing your mind. Yeah. You're callousing your mind. He talks about it a lot. Um, a lot. And a lot of those seals and guys like that, they're just callous their minds. And you start here. Then you just build a little bit more and a little bit more. And all this shit gets easier and easier. Like Brandon bought an ice bath. I hate doing ice baths absolutely hate them. I've been doing them for years off and on. Hate doing them. Love the way they make me feel. Love that, that they're callous. And every time I get, every time I do one and stay in there a little bit longer, like that's, that's building the calluses. That's beating the bitch voice. And the bitch voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter the more you do it. And then you might fall off for a little while. And then you have to, you know, it's just like, it's just like calluses. If you don't, if you don't use your hands, those calluses are going to go away and you got to retrain them. Yeah. I think I look at it from the opposite viewpoint of stacking little wins yeah. rather than getting rid of something, Absolutely. which is just a different way. We were talking the about this yesterday effect. of like Jordan Peterson mentions the Harvard study of mice where they uh, track the amount of stimuli coming into a, a mouse by a string on the tail and the strength that the mouse pulls uh, measures desire. So they waft in the smell of cheese in the front and they see how much the mouse pulls. 
and then waft them to the cat from the back and see how much the mouse pulls. And the uh, mouse pulled like two times or three times stronger with the smell of the cat than this, the waft of the cheese. And that basically- I run faster when I'm scared too. Showed that, Fear's showed a that fear is a stronger driver yeah. than setting goals. But for me personally, I being able to stack little wins and like I said, I was going to make my bed this morning and I made my bed this morning. You should make your bed every morning. It's the first one of the day. Of course. But like, I'm saying like, if I, if I say I'm going to do something, whether or like I'm going to wake up at four and I wake up at four, at least I can take that skill and be like, well, I, I am, a, I am accountable because that's literally proof right there that I was accountable. That's a win. And, and so then I can start labeling myself as accountable or it's like uh, not to get fucking real open about this. I have cheated on ex-girlfriends. Right. And so for a very long time, I was like, I will always be a cheater. And I just drilled Labeled that into himself. my head. Yep. And I was like, I'm never going to change. I'm always going to cheat. And so I had then had to go and be like, okay, well, I'm going to start dating this girl. And even if I think that I want to cheat, but I don't actually do the action it's of cheating, win. I'm not a cheater. Mm. Whether I think it or not, it's the action that, it, the action is the thing that matters. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Williamson uh, read this poem on his podcast where it was like, uh, doing the work isn't saying that you're going to do the work, isn't reading a book about doing the work, isn't writing an essay on how you're going to do the work, isn't telling someone that you're going to do the work. Doing the work is just doing, doing the work. The work. Yeah. yeah. And I think that when you do the work, you are able to stack up those little wins. So uh, to go off of what you said, I, I, that's what I do the exact same thing. And dude, and that's very powerful for, I don't know if I just muted my mic or not. Is it still moving over there? I think it's very powerful for, I think it's very powerful for people like, self-talk and self and like self-talk is just so powerful man like for years i was so worried about money i'm so broke i'm so broke shit 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 this sucks i'm broke i'm broke i'm broke i'm broke and i always told myself i'm broke and like i started reading about it and they were like that is the first step to becoming unbroke is stop telling yourself that you're broke because you're always going to be broke let me ask you this uh alex Mosey says that the first step of um self-love isn't saying that you're perfect, but it's holding yourself higher to a higher standard than anyone else will. Yeah. Which kind of goes mm. different than what you, you just said. When, you know when you're doing that is when your family and friends are like, bro, you should just calm down a little bit. Like maybe you should rest a little bit. And you're like, no, motherfucker. I'm in my, sh I'm in my shit eating phase right now. You let me fucking do me. You worry about you right now. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come out. I'm trying to come out in life. And when you have people around you, like the people that are close to you, like not understanding why you're doing things and what you're doing. But then after you do it, they're like, oh, I knew you were going to do it. Yeah. I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> I love, I love yeah. that. I, but it's... It, it, dude, I, I used to get that with family members um, whenever I was doing... So one's closest to you because they, they want to protect you. Yeah, no, I used to get that with some family members whenever I started the party bus business. Like, hey, you know, I know you're doing that little thing, but... Like, how are you still in school? Or, and I actually, at one point, my mom's like, Hey, we're going to go see your grandma. Tell her that you are in school. 
you're still in school and it's just to protect that. But to me, I already knew with what I wanted out of my life, I wasn't going to be working for someone else. So why do I need this degree? Because it's not teaching me how to run a business. Did you drop out of college? Huh? Did you drop out of college? I stopped going, yeah. Did you drop out of college? <laughs> I stopped going too. No. Yeah. <laughs> I dropped out of college. I got my associates. I graduated. You're the only one here with a college degree? Yep. I got my associates. I got a P. Um, I think uh, maybe it was a couple, I was maybe a, a year away from finishing actually. Yeah, it was a year away as well. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting when you are... Were you scared to drop out? Absolutely not. Not really? even close. There was not, not even a thought? No, I even... I, the whole reason I went to school was for experience. It wasn't even to like... I There was not a single point where I'm like, I'm going to use this degree. I knew it was the oh, next... Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. I knew it was the next step, but I wanted, I wanted to have the college experience and I wanted to meet people and... While I was in college, it was me and my friend, David Poku. He was actually on the podcast too. Uh, we would always go to the library to work on our businesses instead of study sometimes, you know? We would just always be in the library just working on our businesses. And um, yeah, I, I already knew. Once, once I was finally able to start that party bus business and then it started to do, do well, I'm like... I can't even function in college because I can't pay attention because I am so passionate about what I'm doing. Like every single fiber of my being was devoted to this business and I was starting to fail because so I'm like, before I fail, I'm just going to drop out. My, the way I learned in school, I didn't really study, but I paid attention in, in class. I mm -hmm. stopped paying attention in class because yeah. I was working on my business. Yeah. So I just knew it was time. I have a funny story about college. Uh, same thing. I was in entrepreneurship 101, yeah. junior year, and I had already started doing sorority videos and having the sorority business. And the first syllabus was like teaching P&Ls and teaching how to start like yeah. corporations. And I literally showed, I first day of class, I saw the syllabus and I brought in my P&L. I went to the professor and I said, Everything that you're going to teach, I'm already doing. I still need the credit of your class. And you go sit in the back, don't say a word, you'll get an A. No way. Yeah. So wow. he, let me, he let me work in the back of the class wow. on the business that he was teaching on other students how to do. But he said, you have to show me, instead of taking the, the test, you have to show me like weekly statements, month, monthly like business statements uh and then like how you're running your marketing how like how you're running your business God, as your marketing. test you see that's that's one thing i do regret though i i was never very i didn't really talk to my my teachers much you know really? i i really do, doing something like that probably would have worked yeah i mean you know what i'm saying yeah because at the end of the day i but i was very logical about it i was like look i either drop your class because you're not going to teach me anything you what you're teaching is valuable I'm already like a kind of a step ahead of that, but yeah. I need the credit. So either you know, stay in your class or drop your class. I'd like to stay in the class so I get the credit. What 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 can we do? Yeah. So I just came at it from that standpoint, but I'm not a fan of college. I think the education system is the, is so broken. It's crippling so broken. America. Crippling. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go go on that. Why do you think it's crippling America? And do you okay? 
uh, first, let's take kindergarten to 12th grade, like high school first, and then we'll talk about college. Well, just the whole public education system is flawed, first and foremost. Um, I mean, half the stuff they're teaching in the schools, like, is not really applicable to real life. Do you know the history of how the education system was founded? Um, nope. The high school education, do you guys know? Nope. It was founded uh, right after, uh, right like a month or two be, uh, after World War One started. I'm pretty sure. I thought it's been around way longer than that. You're no. saying the public Don't they talk education about this system? In Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Maybe, but my buddy did a documentary on it. He's a phenomenal filmmaker. Mm. But it started right after a. It started basically created right at like a month after a war started, and it was to teach men and women how to be factory how to enter the workforce. Yeah, how to en- no, how do we enter factory workforce? Okay. for the war, and so people would go into these factories. Like if you look at scheduling, like you have period one, period two, period three. That's literally how these factories were ran. Was that you have for the first two hours you're doing this, then you move to this section, mm-hmm. and it was literally it mimicked the factory life. It doesn't you cater. Take, you take a break at this time every single day, and it doesn't cater to to creativity. Individual. It doesn't create uh, cater to individual. It caters to following a system and running it as a factory, and it hasn't changed. Hasn't. Then it's like Albert Einstein said: if you judge a, if you judge a goldfish by its ability to to climb a tree, of course you'll think it's an idiot. Yeah, something of along along the lines of that's that. a good one. I like yes. that. Yeah, and like um, Tim Kennedy, um, Tim Tim Kennedy has started his own school of some sort. I don't know a whole lot of details about it, but they teach real life shit. They teach, and I think they teach self defense and all kinds of stuff like that in there. And I that's think cool. they allow the kids to you know be more of an individual. Man, like, can you imagine how much more badass the world could be if people from a young age just followed their passions like can you imagine like my parents weren't like that my parents weren't like like follow your dreams do this my my family and and, and you know parents and stuff were like nine to five do this like and like that's how they were raised though man and like I'm so far against that. like not that so is it plugged in that one's so it's 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 it sucks, man, because I grew up and I had ADD and I didn't know I had ADD. And then, like, I was put on I don't Adderall. In ADD. And you don't believe I have ADD? That's hilarious. I don't believe in ADD. Oh, I think it's a superpower. <clears throat> I don't believe that it's a disorder. I don't think it's a disorder either. I think I think that it's. I, well, I, ADD I, is literally the definition of it would be attention, attention disorder. disorder. Yeah. But, yeah. but before so, we move on to ADD, because I, I, I agree with that, I, I think um, I think we, we give too many things. We, we make things that aren't. Disease disorders or diseases into diseases and disorders. I think I was just forced into doing shit I didn't like doing yeah. and the shit that I did like doing I could concentrate. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I also think that I think that the I think yeah. the biggest thing is try to lumping men and women from the age of five to twelve in the same curriculum. Because men and women learn a lot differently, especially in that age range. And I think that women learn a lot smarter than men. And men typically in that age range learn a lot better without like physical things. Like if you have a young boy learn math with 
blocks, he'll learn better than paper. So I think that the education system needs to be tailored to the individual. I a thousand percent agree with how you. Do we, I, how do we do that? Yeah, it's like how do you do, like imagine how much cooler the world would be. Well, here, here's the thing: is that when we were kids, homeschooling was weird. Right, like the yeah. like if if you were homeschooled, you like it was weird. It, it, you there sheltered. was a ne- there was a negative connotation on right. homeschooling. Except in rodeo, for some reason, a lot of rodeo kids are homeschooled. I think that there is a massive shift massive. in our society about homeschooling. Massive, and I think that that is only going to grow. And I think that the the resources around homeschool education is going to like do wonders for our society. One big qualm I have with just like public education is like you can be the best parents ever and raise your kid exactly how you want to raise your kid. As soon as you send them off to school, that that control is out of your hand. And they're under the influence of every single other kid in their Adult class. and T- kid. Adults and kids. They're teachers and the kids yes. that are in the same class. Yeah, one Cuss crazy words. Ass, yes. Everything that all those kids that they're in the same class with are experiencing at home, they're bringing to that same exact classroom. So, you know, that's the, that's the thing. Let you me ask you this. Lose control <clears throat> of your, your parenting a little bit. Do you think that if you don't let them do it, it's a form of sheltering that will actually harm the, individ- harm the kid rather than stressing that what they learn, rather than stressing when the times that they're not there, the lessons that parents want to teach their kids. Put them in activities. There's got to be a balance. Yeah, it's got to be a balance. I don't think think just saying like, you're going to be in our environment and that's it and you're not going to be out. Terrible idea. Is the solution. Terrible idea. Yeah, because you won't know what to do in the real world. a little weird fucker running around. I think the the best thing that my parents ever did to me was from 7 in the morning to 9 p.m., I had a pack schedule. There was never a time that I was sitting around playing video games. Yeah. I was school, extracurriculars, sports, fucking studying and homework and asleep. Yeah. And I think that we, there's a level of like softness that I think is, is happening. At least I see it with my, like my younger sibling. Most kids nowadays want to be a YouTuber. Like yeah. it, it used to be like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. Now it's a YouTuber. Yeah. Do you see that study in China compared to the U.S.? No. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was like 80% of kids in the U.S. want to be an influencer compared to 80% of kids in China want to be like a, an astronaut or something. Or like, a doctor. Or a doctor. Right. Yeah, yeah it's just where we're... Uh, it's where society is putting the uh, attention and value. Import- and value and importance, you know. But I mean, you can see it. We get rewarded for it. You get people on YouTube are getting rewarded for doing dumb shit. So kids want to aspire to do dumb shit. But it's the kids that are rewarding the YouTubers on doing the dumb shit because they're mm-hmm. they're the ones watching the videos. Yeah. Yeah, but also the algorithms feeding it to them. We live in a right messed up society. Yeah. So. That's like I don't have social media on my phone. Yeah. So all of our posting is done 
via the scheduler on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. So I never actually go on the platform to do it because I know that I struggled with, I'm bored. Let me just. Bro, it's a drug. I have an app on my phone when I, when I like, if I have a day where I'm like, damn, I was on Instagram or something a lot today. And like, it messes up the clarity, the clarity in my mind. Like I just drank a bunch of alcohol the night before or something. And like, I have an app on my phone called freedom literally blocks me out of my app. So I can't get them. I have to set a schedule. So like, cause I will open my phone to look at the calendar or the time or whatever else. And all of a sudden I'm scrolling on Instagram. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. So you have the self-awareness to do that. Kids do not. I Yeah. So that's the scary part. I've watched my kid, my, my nephews grab an iPad and I'm like. It's literally like, let me grab, grab some crack. Yeah. Basically. It's, it's, and we never, but, and, and here's the hard part is that we'll never have reality on it because we grew up in an age that never had that. Didn't like we it. had face, Snapchat was a thing, came out when I was a junior in high school. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I had a Facebook, like, I, re- I remember the MySpace days. Yeah, yeah, same. So it's, it will never understand what it's like to have TikTok. I'll never forget when I had, when my sister turned 13, I sat her down and I said, you're going to get Instagram. You're going to see pictures of women on Instagram. This is not how women look in real life. Please, please, please do not try to emulate oh, the pictures so that you too. see. But it is so hard for people to not look at something and judge and, yourself. And judge yourself. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's or judge your significant is the or joy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's not only judging yourself, your significant other, or somebody else, man. Like it's completely fucked, man. Like like seeing like. Yeah, you can, it's you the can, devil. You can be in a relationship and things can be okay, but you're like, wow, you know, There's John's always there. taking Becca out ooh, to, shiny, ooh, shiny. to Italy every every summer. Why aren't we doing that? You know, or they're just they're just looking like they look so much happier. Why don't why aren't we posting more pictures of our happiness? And back to what you said, get the fuck out in nature, get away from your shit, unplug, yeah. and really. Stay out there for. I mean, stay out there as long as you need to realize how blessed you are and how good life is, Mm -hmm. and be thankful. And I think everybody needs to remember to come back to being thankful because that's where you are whole. We should be so thankful for everything we have. For sitting on this couch right now, for this bottle of water, to have the option to call our family from anywhere in the world and talk to them whenever we want to. Because forty years ago, you had a right. You know, you had to go to a phone, or you know. World War II. You hire a carrier pigeon yeah. to fly out. I know. And like, drop dude, off I mean, like, like we brutal. are so blessed. And like, sometimes you need to get away from all the bullshit, unplug to realize yeah. how good you have it, how yeah. nice it is to have a, have a, a, this table to set stuff on. Like, like we are so blessed back to like, the, you know, like back to what we talked about, about times being too easy right now to worry right. about all this dumb bullshit about like comparing ourselves to people on, on Instagram, on our phones that are just showing their highlight reel. And that's, that's also why I, I preach passion, and, uh, having a passion for what you do, because you're going to spend a lot of time at work, right? So whether it's your, your goal is, hey, I, I'm on this mission and I believe in what this company's doing and I love what they're doing and I'm going to put my all into that and I, I feel like I'm going to work every day because I'm making a difference. If that's you, can do it 
But if you're going to work every single day and I, I, I get paid 200K a year, but I fucking hate it, get out. Get the fuck out. Okay, so let me get ask out. you this. What if, it's, what, if it's, what if you're passionate about an industry that isn't beneficial to our society? Like, give me an example. Porn. Or let's say you're a cartel. Let's say you're a cartel member. Okay. And you're like, I'm super passionate about drugs. And I, I mean, think, so it, here's the thing. And I what, think that every drug fentanyl. should be legal. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send out fentanyl. Or for example, I I'm not a big fan of a lot of pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. Absolutely. Neither not. am I. It's very easy for pharmaceutical CEOs to justify their actions in creating more of these drugs. I personally disagree with it. So there would be a, a, a difference in morals and ethics between me and them, right? So they would be passionate. What? Where do you draw the line? I think they have a passion for making money. And I think a lot of them know especially the ones that are making people okay. uh, that that the ones yep. that they're selling they know people are getting addicted to them and opioids and stuff i think they understand what they're doing it's just the money's so good that's just they they almost turn a blind eye to it here's a point that i heard or the they day. they're just evil people and they just keep and they're, or they're shitty people but they some of these are also publicly traded companies and it is they're they are legally bind to make the company money yeah, if it's presented yeah, they're, they're, they're supposed, like, the, it's a machine. They're, they're, they're a to disgusting be, be machine. As much as profitable as, as they possible, possibly for their can shareholders. Be, regardless of the uh, repercussions of it. But that's where government comes in, right? But, I'll, okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you a specific example. When I was, when I finished Tiger Kingdom, I worked with clients in the adult industry. Okay. I worked with Playboy, I worked with Vixen, I worked with other OnlyFans models. And I can tell you wholeheartedly, that the money's great, but I had to do some self-accounting after mm-hmm. the six, eight months that I was doing it and be like, what effect am I creating? Mm-hmm. And I then had to say like, okay, well, do I think porn is, pro, is net positive for society or do I think it's a negative thing for society? It's negative for sure. And then I had, to, I had to first come to that realization that I think it's negative. Mm-hmm. Now, other people might argue that standpoint. I personally think it's negative. So if it's negative, and I'm the one then pr- helping promote that. No matter how much I'm passionate about filmmaking, I have to then look back and say, "Well, what effect am I creating with my passion?" Right? Yeah, but you you come you're coming to that realization, and you look at the data when it comes to corn. Uh, I feel like YouTubers always don't use the actual word. Anyways, <laughs> when you look at the da- the data, a lot of people in that industry they they have high rates of suicide, high rates of depression, high high rates of anxiety. And we don't even know with the new wave of OnlyFans, like they're all basically stars, right? So we don't even know what the data is going to say. When, once these, these, it's mostly women, but women and men, they, they get older, they get in their 40s, 50s, and they're just like, yo, what the, f- what the fuck? Like it's going to be, the, it, we're going to have so much anxiety, so much depression because it's, it's almost okay to do it at this point, right? Do you think that that OnlyFans has created a negative impact on the family unit? 100%. Bro, like, I don't want to see pictures of my but mom. It, like, but it's, it's like, hey, it's, it's an easy bag. Like, I understand, I understand, why, I understand why they do it. Absolutely. But it's, I don't think if you're thinking long term, it's the right move. 
I don't think all money is created equal, and, you know. And, mm. and and look, when you're when your back's against the wall, and like people, it's all circumstantial too. When your back is against the wall, and there's nowhere else to go, and like, and, and like, like I said earlier, before you we see an here, opportunity, I said it's like, very I, hard like to when you're no when you're broke, when you're broke, and the wolves are knocking at your door, and you feel like the world is collapsing around you, you feel like you are a rat trapped trapped under a pot and somebody's lighting a fucking fire on the other end and you will do fucking anything to chew your way out of there. A lot of people turn to going to OnlyFans because of that. Some people have kids. Some people need to feed. They're like, everything is circumstantial and people need to understand that people are just people yeah. and they need to look at everything from the other perspective. And, and that, like, if you read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is a phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, please look at it. It will change your life. That book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's a few others. But you have to look at things from other people's perspective and and try to be a human being and just relate with other people because everybody has a story. Everybody is just trying to figure out their fucking life. That's all. Listen, I 100% agree with what you just said. And, and And I think, especially when you look at it that way, it makes sense for some people, but it's still long term. Hundred percent. I don't think it's helpful. I don't no. think that long term. Mm. Um, I think there's there's always a there's always another route. And here's the scary thing about people who you know even you know you can talk about even like my woeful buddies or people that are, are that that are strippers or porn stars or OnlyFans. You get they don't know how to manage their money because they've been broke. You start making all this money, so you start living this lifestyle, and you acquire these <clears throat> assets that aren't actually assets that are costing you money every month. That you then have to continue doing the thing that you did to get unbroke because you're going to be broke if you don't do it anymore. Because you can't make that kind of money doing something else. Yeah. Instead of investing that money, making it work for you, it sucks. It's a vicious cycle. I hate it. It's the lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle inflation. That's it, yeah. Thomas. Mm. I like that. Words are good. Lifestyle inflation. Yeah, it's like you're making more money, so you feel like, oh, I can afford that new yep. truck, or I can afford that badass condo in, in downtown, whatever. You know, I can afford that. And then, so the more money you make, you know, you're still broke. Yeah, yeah. You're making more money, but you're spending a lot more. Yeah, money. yeah. Your expenses increase as your income contingent increases. is is yep. yeah. yeah. Lifestyle. And then you're then you're stuck unless you want to just completely sell everything. And just get rid of it. But at that point, you might be in too much debt. And like, that's where the vicious cycle comes in. And then you hit 40 years old, 40, 50 years old. You can't strip anymore. You can't do this or you can't, or you get hurt and you can't work in the oil field anymore and yeah. make that kind of money. You're just fucked. You fall for bankruptcy. And then you're like in a just downward spiral. So that goes back to education. Those, these are the type of conversations mm-hmm. yeah. that need to be taught in schools, financial literacy. Education. And then to Talking go- about bankruptcy, student loans, even if you file for bankruptcy- can't get rid of them. Yeah, they will follow you to really? the grave. You, can you didn't know that? Yeah. Yep. I didn't know that. No, you yeah, can't. you cannot get rid of student loans. I don't understand how the U.S. government can give $100,000 to an 18-year-old to go to school. But, but I, I can't get it to buy out. I can't, I can't get it to build my business. Yeah, <laughs> for, a, for a psychology degree. Yeah, you like... Know? For a, a degree in the grants, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, grants. You know what? I always said if I went back to school, I'd, I'd get a psychology degree. So don't hate. <laughs> that was my favorite class when I was going to college for three months. I think it's a very interesting topic. A very like, interesting subject oh, I think matter. It, is too. it was my favorite class when I was going to college for three months. Okay, so <laughs> I think that the mo- the yeah. the largest 
curve of intelligence that I've gone through has been after college when I chose the subjects that I wanted to learn. Absolutely. You don't know who you don't know who you are and who you want to be, man. Like trillion percent. And I also there is I think the the number one education system in our society and will be for the foreseeable future is YouTube. Yeah. Thousand YouTube percent. University. Ooh, I, I, I've, I've, yeah. YouTube has degree. taught me so much on how to make. I learned how to play a guitar on YouTube. <laughs> well, I learned videography from YouTube, and I learned everything I'm doing on real estate from YouTube. When Sacred asked me, like, whenever he was first getting into content creation, I told him, like, dude, you can learn everything you need to know on YouTube. Yeah, he shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> he shouldn't have told me that. Open you want to? You want to? You want to? You want a business idea right now? Is you create a platform that allows successful people you admire to create an education Master system. Masterclass. It's already no, 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 no. All they do is they choose videos on YouTube or other free platforms that Curations. they like. A curate a, a program for you, a playlist for you. Mm. Oh, shit. So you have like Alex Ramosi say, look, these 17 videos, mm. if you want to learn about finances, these 17 videos, either I made them, other people made them, they're free, check them out. That's, so each a, a person that you admire curates their own playlist of that's education. That's actually a really good idea because I've had a lot of people come to me and say, hey, how do I get started in video? How do I get, and I'm like, hey, these are the courses I took. These are yeah. the two videos I watched. But then you have to pull up each one. I know. You, I was, yeah, you can just send them a link of yeah. like, here's 19 videos all in a row of like, okay, this is this is how you learn ISO and Aperture. Yeah. And then this is this is how you're going to edit. But you need to learn this ISO and Aperture yeah. before you learn how to edit. This is composition. Yeah. This is, yeah. And in order, now, the videos don't have to be you that you're creating it, but you're creating the plat or the the playlist of it. Yeah, That's it. Alex Hermosi could try to sell me a turd, and I'd buy it, dude. <laughs> There's nothing. That I will buy. It. The dude releases anything. I'll buy. I well, love. That's why he's not going to sell it. It's all free. <laughs> it's all free. It's all he has nothing to sell you. That turd for free. No, okay. So and that's okay. Well, let, let's talk about this because I think I I don't think the world has seen the effect of what that's actually going to create. Yeah. I think he's changed personal growth, business, and ev like, I think he's changed business entirely for forever. For a lot of people. I think that, no, no, no. Like, I think businesses are now going to understand the amount of value they need to provide for free yep. in order to retain their clients, in order to retain their business yeah and see just the magnitude of value completely for free that they need to offer in order to stay in business yeah because of the the precedence that he set i think it's pretty yeah remarkable. i think it's amazing Bro. I, he doesn't he doesn't even realize he's he's knocked over a domino all the way in dallas texas my boy shark he started a, a business off of Alex Hermosi's principles, he's making 50K a month off being 24 years old, 24, what? 25 years old. Incredible. It's just like, this man is just literally just putting ripples into the earth. And and it, it's amazing to see the people that he's are- filling other people's cups, are Just man. soaking up the knowledge and doing something with it. Yeah. You know? And, and that's what he talks about. It's like that goodwill will pay him back yeah. in- and numbers. And he, here we are all praising him. Yeah. yeah. None of us have met him. <laughs> None, of yeah. us met him. None of us have None met of us him. Have yeah, like, we're here praising him because we've seen a couple videos about him. Yeah. Or read a book read that books. we paid for. <laughs> yeah. $100 million leads, $100 million offers. Like, Great books. Yeah. yeah. 
love Audible books. credits. Yeah. I know. I've been dropping all kind like all kinds of stuff's yeah. names like on here. Like Yeah, I, I think actually every book you've But dropped. that's what you want in a company. You want people talking about your shit free will. Yeah. When yeah. when your customers talk if your that's, product was so good, your customer you would have unlimited amount of customers. Yep. Yeah. And if you don't have an unlimited, unattainable amount of customers, then your product's ass. Wild to think about. It really is. Because if, if we created such a phenomenal video that the, the, anyone who watched it was like, I need, I need one of those. I need one of those. It's like Alex, he said, make an offer so good that you'd be dumb to say no. So like, to, which then really, really fucks you in thinking like we have, I haven't created a single good product in my life. <laughs> it's like kind of depressing. We're yeah. young, dude. We're, but he's, what pisses me off is he's really young too. Like, <laughs> he's like six years older than me or something like that. I'm like. Yeah, but, <laughs> it is crazy. But, but man, like I look at Cody Sanchez. She's, She's a fucking awesome. badass. Yeah. She lives in Austin. I'm trying to link up with her and like, and do some stuff soon. But I used to date her hairstylist. Cody Sanchez? Really? Her, her hairstyle. Yeah, so she yeah. she lives in Austin, and dude, this I was telling these guys this today. One of the biggest fuckups I've made in the last few years is before she started posting a lot and like and like got big a couple years ago. She must have DM'd me about making some videos and stuff like that. I must have opened it on accident, got a phone call, something. Never replied to it. Didn't even know she DM'd me. So and like we were following each other back and forth, and so. Her stuff starts popping up in my feed. And I'm like, dude, this chick is a badass. And I, went, and I saw that she lived in Austin. I wanted to send her a DM. I don't even know what it was. I click on her message to send her a DM. And I see this message that she had sent me like two years before. Like, hey, I ran across your TikTok. You do a bunch of badass shit. I'm trying to get some, like start creating content and doing this stuff and stuff like that. Let's link up, do this up. Never replied to it. And I was like, No. And then I messaged her. And I was like, I am so sorry. I just, I told her exactly what I just told y'all. And I wrote this message. And I know exactly what she was saying. She was like, fuck that guy. He yeah. saw me. I got big now. And now he wants to reach out and do stuff with me. But that's not the case. I literally just didn't see the fucking message. And I wish that I could see her in person and tell her that. But like, I even offered her, I even got a, a hold of her people and was like, I will give her 50% of my business if she'll just teach me her ways of business and like help me help me grow this business. And I had a consultation with them, went over there and they were like, not worth our time. I was like, fair. I totally fucking understand. What, so what's the moral of the story? Moral of the story is fucking respond to people and like, but you that was don't an accident. know the opportunity that is ahead, is, I'm, is I'm presented gonna to yourself. I'm going to post this clip so she can see it. Please, please, Cody, I'm so <laughs> sorry that I did not respond. Please, let's do some shit. I want to buy some, learn how to buy small businesses and, I actually just yeah. met her at an influencer meetup. She's cool as shit. Yeah, she's super you cool. You just out here going to influencer meetups? Or well, I'm going to the first next one. one. First of all, it was my first one ever. And my boy got big on us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I had never been to one, and I got invited to it by my, my boy Jeff. Jeff Jenkins, shout out to him. Um, but My name's Jeff. I didn't even know who she was. I didn't know who she was. And she seemed really she's cool. She seemed very um, smart at, at the meetup. But then I mean, we all started following each other. And How many then, people were there? Huh? How many people were there? Uh, maybe like ten. Oh, dude, that's ten. perfect. Yeah, like maybe like ten. God. But so we, dude, slide me an invite <laughs> next time. I got, <laughs> I got you. I got invited to an but, NBA. But um, 
afterwards, so we all started following each other. And I just started seeing her stuff pull, come up on my feet. I'm like, this woman's smart. Oh, she's a lot. This her woman, she's like, doing the doing yeah. the damn thing. And then so I start like I start paying attention to her content. I'm like, damn, this is she's the truth. Yep. And then I start seeing all of her stuff on um, threads. So I'm always like reposting her threads and stuff. I'm like, wow. I have her. I have her. Brock Johnson, who's an Instagram coach, and Alex Ramosi's notifications turned on, and like. I just get so much value out of what's in there. And again, back to like providing value. They're providing value. They're pro- like, that's how you grow is providing value. When yeah. Thomas started talking about like boat stuff and like providing value, his shit blew up. Like mm-hmm. when you like, you start like, I know you start, you started out with one thing and then, and then, and then you, you went into the podcasting and the, and like turning the long form and short form and like you're providing value. Yeah. And like, what did you say today? You either have to provide value or entertainment. Or entertainment. Yeah. Value, entertainment. And if you can do both. Value, Pat, entertainment, Pat education. Laughter. Laughter, yeah. Huh? Value, Pat Betrick. Valuetainment. Yeah, valuetainment. Yeah, valuetainment. Uh, I like that. You I know, like it's, it's so yeah. crazy. I don't, I don't actually, when it comes to politics, I don't necessarily agree with like a lot of things Patrick, Pat David says, but I watch him a lot. Yeah. And I, I I respect his view on a lot of things. I admire anyone who has accumulated that much success in their life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like no, like anyone who has achieved that much in their life, I there's always, in my opinion, always something to take. Yeah, something away from. Put some yeah. respect. Do, do on you my ever name. watch people who you don't agree with? Ooh, give me an example of that. An example, yeah. fresh and fit. <laughs> you you don't agree with fresh and fit. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're. I'm, um, I agree with. Okay, let me let me pull it back. What, what don't you agree with with them? I don't think you should agree with everything somebody says. Um, I think it depends on what they say. But I, I, yeah. I, huh? You don't know what they say, or you do? No, no, I do. I I, I watch. Fresh and fit. And so I think I want, I'll rephrase that. I I've seen videos of theirs. Yeah, I understand the game they're playing. Uh, yeah, I understand. So I understand. Like, I, like I'm not looking at it. A lot of these people, Andrew Tate, even Alex Alex Jones, like to the extreme of Alex Jones, mm. you have to almost dissect and look at like. All right, like you're, you're there's a game there. Trump, there's no one better in this planet that does it better than Trump. I don't think Trump's playing though. There is an elevated <laughs> theatrical aspect to the content that they create. Okay. Fresh and fit because they get the views yeah. and they have been rewarded in the past. Oh, I say something like this in this way. Yeah. These videos blow up. Yeah. So when it comes to them, I'll tell you what I agree with. Men are have become weak. Absolutely. I think that society, and you said like we're creating weak men. So I agree with them trying to uplift men in certain ways, but- the parts that I don't agree with is, and I think the thing that really blow, blew them up is they they invite a bunch of girls on the show and they just wreck them. I don't think that's the right way to do things. And and, and there's, there's even points where they don't even give people a chance to, um, they, they just, they're literally making fun of chicks, bro. Yeah. It's, it's like Jerry Springer. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what podcast you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. fresh and fit. I, I agree sometimes with Sometimes the I, chicks make fun of themselves. Yeah, for like, sure, hey. for sure. But they're not. They're also not inviting like you know 
doctors, lawyers, you know, they're, they're inviting a bunch of OnlyFans chicks, and there's nothing wrong with them, but... They're trashing on them then. Or they're, they're, it's it's the new age Jerry Springer. Yeah, you, you're, yeah. You're, they're, they're purposely bringing on people to exploit them and, tra- and trash them. Yeah. What's yeah. the other guy with the... With but the I, agree, I agree with that. Howard I don't Stern. think that's... I don't think that's beneficial to our society Yeah, in any way. Now yeah. it gets views and that's why they do it. So I understand why they do it. I look at back and say, okay, what's the impact that they're having on the generation? I could argue that the impact they're having on young men yeah. is beneficial, but I could also have an impact on, on people that are learning about how to navigate this world mm. could be negative. So I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I also don't, I personally would never conduct myself in that way to a woman ever. Yeah. Because that's just how I was raised. There, I think there's a right. certain amount of respect that you should give women. Absolutely. Now, I think there's and, a certain and, amount and, of respect and, you should give everyone. Yeah. Right. I don't care. I don't care women, men, everyone. But so, and I don't think that they conduct that type of respect. I, um, I think some of their teachings come from a place of hurt, to be honest. Uh, I, I think these are guys that, and I may be completely wrong. I think these are guys who have amassed a large following, but I think before they had that, I don't, I, I don't know who they are. Like they're not really, Man. they're kind of nerds, bro. They're not successful outside of the what the they platform do. that they've created. Yes, and no matter the, how big somebody is, how many followers they have, like you don't know if that person's happy, and like yeah. you better take care of you no matter what. And it like and the amount of followers you have doesn't amass to the human being that you are and yeah. how you treat. I, I I care about people who care about other people, and I don't give a fuck about people that think they're the shit and don't care about other people's feelings and like I think everybody should treat each other as human beings and and like if you don't fuck you that's how I feel like you're a douche like if you like if you when you think you're better than someone or you treat somebody like shit like I'm just like like I have no respect for you how much like I don't care how big you are who you are like I don't give a shit now some people don't deserve respect either that and those people are the kind of people I'm I'm talking about there I guess Respect is earned. But let's let's yeah. go back. Let's yeah. go back to this question that I asked though. Do you watch content that you don't agree with? Uh it's hard for me to do it, if I'm going to be completely honest. Or it's hard it for me to watch content that I don't agree with. So do you feel like do you 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 the stuff that you do listen to and watch is are, do you feel like you could be caught up in an echo chamber at a certain point? You mean am I getting reinforced? You're reinforcing my beliefs your, because yeah. of the content that I'm watching. Yeah, rather Absolutely. than seeing both sides. But I also think that that's part of my feed. Like, I don't really get fed. I'm going to be honest with you. I, a lot of, like, a lot of the beliefs I have, I don't get a lot of counter beliefs that come up naturally on mm. my feeds. And you can retrain your algorithm too. Yeah. So with that being said, it's not like I'm getting exposed to a 50-50% ratio of both sides. It would be like a 90-10% ratio. Okay. It's so scary how... Do you? Yeah. You You do watch watch other people. You don't agree with? Yeah, 100%. Oh, absolutely. I I do too, just just to watch it. And sometimes it's engaging. It's like, 
It's like shit. You're just drawing you, or it's pissing you off, so you keep watching it a little bit. Or I, I what's another know. example besides Fresh and Fit that you don't agree with? Um, I've watched some Ben Shapiro. I don't really agree with a lot of shit he says. Okay, I think he's a very smart guy. Ben Regarding what? Huh? Regarding what? Um, just politics. Um, the super. He's super opinionated. He's Crazy. very opinionated. Very I, I just don't think things are as black and white. And I think in terms of the right and the left, um, I think there's more middle ground, but we've been actually taught to have some extremes and not play team ball or, or see each other's side. So it's like, if you're on the fucking left, you're, you're a demon. If you're on the right, you're a fucking demon. Uh, well, it's a bell curve. 90, yeah. You have 80% of our planet that is in the middle and is rational. Yeah. Then you have 10% on the left and 10% on the right that are just Fucking insane. So, but I, th I think, and then, I but think the problem Shapiro, is the ten percent on the left and the ten percent on the right are three times as loud as the eighty percent in the middle. Yeah. yeah, but I think Ben Shapiro is paid to push a certain narrative, and he's oh, not going to yeah. detract from that narrative. But he's, he's paid, the he's one who's getting paid. Yeah, he owns the company. Huh? He owns the Daily Wire. I know. So he's what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, he it? knows his audience, and the more that he sticks with that and reinforces these beliefs, the more money he's gonna make. And if he detracts from that, his audience is kind of like, wait, that's not what we believe. So he's he needs to keep reinforcing that belief. Okay, it's a slippery slope. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Couldn't someone say that you about you too? Like, if you just started posting about like, oh, I'm gonna go into like dating content now. Mm -hmm. And your your following would be like, oh, dude, we follow you for motivational stuff and relationship stuff, not like pickup culture dating stuff. I post what I want. Yeah, but like I, I see that like. You but that's I think that I think that I think that's the number one thing you have to do. Yeah, I'm not getting you paid. Have to, you that. have to post you. Yeah, I post but the what problem I want. is that a lot of people, which I wouldn't think that Ben Shapiro is like that. I think there's other better examples that I think that what you're trying to get at. Um, I can, I can, I could give you some other it's examples. It's the people that, is, that create content, then they post a picture of a blue hat, then their audience, then that picture of a blue hat blows up. So then they're like, okay, well, I'm going to keep on posting a picture of blue hat and it keeps on blowing up. And yeah. then five years down the line, they're like, I'm the blue hat guy, but I fucking hate blue hats. Why am I posting this? Is that kind of the, what you're, what you're talking about is getting reinforced on content because it's doing well yeah kind of but it's it's a little more complex when it comes to um politics but yeah so do you and, think and that do you think that he is there's some aspects of his politics that he's in the middle but is refusing to admit because yes. that he's getting paid for yes um and maybe it's fine maybe it's changed but um this whole thing about um You know, I, I actually can't even tell you if, he, if he's, is, is he, is he going in, is, is he still pushing Donald Trump or has he stopped, has he stopped doing that? I don't, I don't follow uh, him. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Him, so mostly. if, if you, here's an example. I know that he's, he's Here, right-sided. So I'm here's guessing an he would be. Here's, an, here's a good example. There are a ton of people that have politicians that have worked with Donald Trump people that have worked for Donald Trump, people that are on just Team Trump, that once indictments have came out and text messages have been read, these motherfuckers hate him. There are, Tucker Carlson's a good example. This man's like on the new, on, on, 
on the news saying basically Donald Trump is king, blah, blah, blah. Donald Trump's the best. He's he's amazing. Beyond closed doors, he's like, I fucking hate this guy. Get him out of office. And there are text messages to prove it. He's not at Fox anymore. Once they, Once Fox was getting sued, they found that shit out. That's what I'm talking about. Pushing a narrative that you don't necessarily believe in. I feel like all the news pushes that. Anyway. That's true. Tucker, Tucker Carlson was had text messages saying that he is not really a Trump supporter. One trillion percent. I never heard of it. And it came out with the lawsuit against Fox. Is that why he got Who's fired lawsuit? from Fox? That's a big reason he got fired. I didn't know that. And he was the number one guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I but like Tucker Carlson a lot. I like huh? I like him so a lot like, too. Yeah, I like Tucker Carlson a lot. I also like. I think people. he's a very smart guy, but he's he's also caught up in. A, he has to push this. Like Fox is a big company. He gets paid a lot by Fox. So this is what these are the stories you have to tell. Yeah i i think I think the the villains in all of this is media. I think it'll always be the villains. I yeah, think yeah. that media companies are atrocious, and they are they profit off of selling fear. Yeah. If it bleeds, the more, it leads. The more yeah. fear that they could sell, the more money they'll make. So if you're going to, if if no matter the the both spectrums of media yeah. companies are going to push the same message, Israel and Hamas is a very clear example of what yeah. that is. If you go on one publication, you have one extreme viewpoint. Yeah. If you go on the other publication, you have the other extreme viewpoint. But take away the names, the adjectives they use in between the nouns are the exact same adjectives. Yeah. They're selling the same thing. The, so, all they're doing is changing the nouns. Blank is attacking blank. Yeah. They're just doing this. Yeah, they're swapping it. So it's, it's how, do you get to, how do you get back to the point where news is just telling you the facts and you, it leaves you, then at that point you can judge what's moral, what's not, what your beliefs are, what's not. Because at this point, it's literally just we're pitting each other against each other. You, you, you take it from people that you morally align yourself with. The, the news. No, no, no. You as the consumer or you're, what's you're, your you're, question? You're saying the consumer, you start the listening consumer to people has that you morally. To, uh, has to, yes. And I think that's why independent news has been on the rise. I mean, that's why Twitter will be the number one news place or X will be the number one news outlet in the world in five years mm. because you will have real people that say their specific statements. Like that's why Tucker Carlson is going to have his own thing on X. That's why he did the contract with Elon is so that he could speak for himself without any Fox behind him. So do you think X is a completely free platform? I think that it has been more free than ever. I agree with that. But even there's that, still certain people that are banned off. But even that. X is running into its issues. You, you know about um, advertisers, uh, a bunch of different company advertisers be, pulling their advertisements from X because of what was it? Um, um, they were seeing that some of their ads were being placed around anti-Semitic uh, posts. Um, and like Elon Musk retweeted some shit that he probably shouldn't have or whatever. Basically, like huge advertisers left, like Disney and like just mi like they lost millions and millions of dollars in a day. Did you hear about that? Mm -mm. So I think 
I will and always be on the side of freedom of speech. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent on the side. So the I idea think one of, of the canceling these businesses is they're so scared that the advertisers are going to leave. The thing is, Elon, okay, so Elon, Elon is not, is not scared of that. Let's, There's a but, quote but that says, but even, give me all the power, give me all the money. I, I get that. And, and that, that was he his reason for buying Twitter. That. I 100% get that. But even he is sell, uh, he's suing the company that, um, was it? Is it um, even he has to run a fucking business, bro. You get what I'm saying? So how does how does X make money? I don't think that he. I think he's willing to operate X at, at a, a loss. At, no, at a, at a at a at a neutral place to for the benefit of society. See, I've never had Twitter really, and I've never used. I've, like I've never got. It. I haven't either. I don't. I've never had a Twitter, but I like the platform because of what it stands for. Every time I got on Twitter, when I did have a Twitter, everything seemed so negative and people were being so mean to each other. Well, that's social media like, in general. Yeah, that's like, social media in general. Uh, but look, look, look go to go to any comment section. The comment sure. section on Instagram. Oh, dude, right. I've got some nasty comments. And and online. Alex talks about that in a TikTok where he goes, he goes, uh, there was this there was this older white gentleman talking about finances on. Uh, on TikTok and giving like financial advice and every single TikTok caption or comment was, who does this guy think he is? Just another old white guy trying to like- Was it Dave Ramsey or somebody? No, I've seen it this was, video. It was, it, was, it, was, it was Ray Dahlia. Ray Dahlia. Who's the owner of like BlackRock or Blackstone. Yeah. Worth like $20 billion. Yeah. Like yeah. billions and billions of dollars. Really smart. Dude. And it was this guy explaining like how he runs his hedge fund. Mm. And all these comments of people saying, who the does this guy think he is? That's hilarious. Which then that just was like, okay, well, I'm now, because I was, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been, I, that was a fear I had to overcome. The comment section? Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Neg negative hate? Bro, I, I've had people tell me that they, they hope that I die in some of my videos. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, shit. Wait, what? Oh, dude, like the, the deer capture stuff. People think that I'm killing oh, the deer that we're just yeah. doing for sport. And I have people that are like, I hope you and your family dies. Like, like crazy shit. Crazy shit. Like, do you guys ever, do you guys ever, when you were starting your journey of all three of you guys, because you guys are all influencers, are you, were you guys ever nervous about? Getting famous to the point that like you're going to then deal with constant negativity thrown at you on a daily basis. Mm -mm. I haven't processed that yet. I don't know about constant, but I've I've definitely been scared of not scared, but I've 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 been conscious of the fact that the more the bigger you get, the more Psychos you're gonna attract. It's <laughs> also the more influence that you're gonna have, the more people that you can help with that influence. Yeah, that too, too. But it's just. But that too, I worry about like, like somebody like, getting. It's kind of like the Matt Rife situation. Have you heard about Matt Rife? I love Matt Rife, the comedian. What happened? Trying to huge him? fan of Matt. They're Rife. trying to. They're trying to cancel him because of his, his Netflix also, special. Also, the greatest comeback ever on Twitter. I know. <laughs> I know with the the, <laughs> the helmet. They, 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 said, they, said, they said if anybody who has ever been offended by my Netflix special, here's a link to my official apology, and it was a link to. Uh, a uh, to to tism safety helmets. Uh, yeah. Oh, a really? Special, a special safety helmet or something. Yeah. 
<laughs> like special needs safety helmet. Yeah, special needs safety helmet. He's like, let comedians be comedians. Which is hilarious. I thought that was hilarious. hilarious. It's a great bit. I'm like, okay, this guy got. He's like, he's like, if 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 you're offended by my domestic violence jokes, then here's yeah. But here's the thing, man. When when it comes to that, it's that's where when you said that we're getting soft, we're fucking getting soft. So because here's the thing. It's a joke. Also, hey. It's a joke. Hey, that's his job. <laughs> like he gets, yeah. you're paying money for him, for him to say it. Yes. That, that because makes, we it's, can't it's like, say it's like, it. It's like one thing if it's, if it's like, Bill Gates, like coming and saying a yeah. domestic violence yeah. joke. It's like Bill Gates, dude, just make computers. It's it's another <laughs> thing if it's like just make computers. It's another thing if a comedian tries to find the line, and that's their entire job is to find the line. Yeah, and push that line. Here, I listen. I still listen to Eddie Murphy car- comedy. I love Eddie. That Murphy. shit is not allowed today. No, you know what I mean. It's funny, bro. Like if if you have to be politically correct in comedy, it's it's. But you also dumb. have you also have. I think, and this was a conversation I had. It's done? This was a conversation I had with another buddy of mine, and it was everyone on the internet wants to show. Did yours die? This is just full memory card. Oh. Damn, how long is that post? I mean, how, we, we've been running for like three hours, right? Yeah, we haven't. Yeah. The first hour was kind of ass. Yeah, it yeah, was. we it took a while to get into it. Yeah, man. yeah, it was. But I, dude, I want, I definitely want some clips out of this. Like, yeah, yeah we've yeah. had some good fucking conversations. Like, I was, I was like, I was like, fuck, I spent too much money to come out here, but like, this was totally worth it. Like, these are the conversations we need to be fucking having with. We other can definitely men, get like, some clips mm-hmm. from it for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I uh, want to finish the point was that yeah, yeah, there was right. a, there was this thing of like. If you look at the numbers, the data behind the videos that are getting played, it's actually like statistically a higher ratio of people watching like Eddie Murphy and The Office, which is like a bunch of like, you couldn't make The Office. Never. Now. But more people are watching The Office statistically than people commenting that it shouldn't be going away. So subconsciously people actually want that type of content but are fronting that they should think it think that it should bad. be banned yeah wow wow that's so like they're 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 like a virtue seeking on social media mm-hmm. to try to come off as they are better than than what they actually want to watch and enjoy yeah that's oh. unfortunate it's it's God, people are so soft it's man. unfortunate because that's just funny. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know? if, if you don't find it funny, then just don't watch it. Yeah, don't, don't watch, watch it. it. There you go. Dude, I like when so there's so much content the out there. Turn the channel. Yeah. You yeah. have so <laughs> many options. You have Netflix. You have Hulu. You got Apple Apple uh, Video, yeah. uh, Amazon Prime. You've also, got Peacock. There's tons You've of got... comedians that don't make domestic violence jokes. Yeah. Watch that. But then they're like, yeah. well, they're not having to do it to be funny. Then why do you have to? Like, that's not my comedy mother. Yeah. My but favorite I, thing is when Joe Rogan's making fun of those kind of people. He goes, hmm. <laughs> 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 but I think the big thing with Matt Reif, though, is 
he's amassed a huge women audience. Six months. And the way that he's done his jokes, they're really for men. Okay, first of all, do you guys know fully Matt Rive's story? No. The dude has been doing comedy clubs for like nine years. But he just blew up recently. No, but the dude has been put in work. Work. He did an interview with Barstool and said, this was my last year. I gave myself nine months and I was going to get a nine to five job this year if it didn't work out. Because I, I thought to myself, maybe I'm just not funny. And now he blew up, but... It's literally like the story of like someone working for nine years doing fucking shitty clothes. He was pulling back his arrow and he finally let go of the fucking arrow. Bro, I had this conversation with Brandon, my kind of like my buddy, my mentor that I work out with up there. I was like, I was like, dude, Brandon, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, man. Like I'm, I feel like I've been busting my ass for so long and working so hard on myself and like, and just all the early mornings, all the books that I've read, like all, I could just all the shit eating that I've done, like all the losses that I've taken. And I'm like, I'm like, he's like, dude, he's like, just keep going. He was like, you're pulling back your arrow. And I was like, I'm tired of holding this motherfucker, dude. Like, like it was like, and then finally this thing happened. And you know, like, like, like. The longer the pullback, the further the arrow. Yeah. But he told me too, he was like, Drew, he was like, I think you're going to be one of the most successful people that I know. And he's like, I mean that. And he said, um, you just got to keep, you just got to keep going, dude. And this reminds it's, me it's, of, it's hard. Reminds me of, uh, uh, infinite games versus uh, finite mm-hmm. games. Never yeah. heard of it. But like it, where did I hear that from? Alex Murphy talks about it. Okay. You, finite games and infinite games. The difference between them is finite games are known players, known outcomes, and known rules. Infinite games are unknown players, unknown outcomes, and unknown rules. So, like, I'll give you an example. Marriage, for example, is an infinite game. The goal of marriage isn't to win marriage. Right. It's just to stay married. Right. The goal of business isn't to win in business. It's just to stay in business. business. And, like, the... in the reason why we lost the Vietnam war was Vietnam was playing an infinite game. We were trying to win the war. They were just trying to stay alive. Yeah. Mm. And so what, back to what you were saying, it's if you can extend your time horizon and think as dude, I'm thinking in terms of my entire life instead of two or three years. And then you're like, okay, well if I'm thinking in terms of my entire life, all I have to do is not stop. Right, and that's the, it. You the just minute I keep... stop, I lose. If I just don't stop, it would be statistically very impossible for you to lose. Exactly, and he, that's what he said. He said, he said, dude, something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen, and it's just gonna be boom. And he said, people are gonna call you an overnight success, and they won't see all the bullshit. He's like, I'll know, you'll know, your your circle will know, but people are gonna be like, oh, that guy's so lucky. Must be nice. Must be nice, motherfucker. <laughs> fuck you. I ate so much shit. I did so much. What did my buddy call? He called eating humble pies. Ate lots of humble pies, man. And, but it's like, and some people do, some people do get lucky, but I might be seeing that from the outside and I haven't seen the shit that they ate. So I don't know, but like it finally pays off and it finally, it finally did pay off. But 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, do. I think Sam Coulter is a good example of that, right? Like, people, he, he seems like he kind of came out of nowhere. Homeboy's been filming since he was, like, six or some shit, you know? If you go back to his, if you go on his page, I don't know if it's deleted now. You can scroll back. This motherfucker has been filming since he was a little kid. That's cool. He's yeah. a videographer, right? Yeah. 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 He's the dude that everyone was like. Yeah. He's the, uh, travel the, the travel videographer. Guy. Oh, Sam is Sam who Cole. is who Parker worked for. No, that's Devin Supertramp. That's right. Oh, I shit. am wrong again. <laughs> he used to work for him? Uh, Parker that's used to work That's how Parker got Devin. started. Yeah, Devin Supertramp is actually like one of the guys that inspired me to like start really making videos. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just love that he filmed like a bunch of like outdoors, like wakeboarding or like doing the insane rope swing off like, you know, the arch. Um, yeah, just all the videos like that, that, that that really inspired me coming up. Yeah. You look at Casey Neistat. I caught a little clip of a podcast that he was doing. I forgot who he was doing it with, but he was saying... When he moved to New York, he lived in like a fucking halfway house type shit. Like he lived in just a room, like with nothing, just a room mm-hmm. in New York. And from that, he built what he has now. And he also made- Unless he tells that story, no one fucking knows. He made videos for free. Like he made a Nike ad for free mm. until they started paying him. Yeah, I remember that. Huh? Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think- <laughs> Dude, no, trying to bring it back to hey, no copyright <laughs> material on the pod. <laughs> I don't want this this YouTube video to be flagged and demonetized. I'll just ask you for permission. Or like you, I for, like you, I control the copyright. You don't, you don't, of the you don't have the permission. Oh, hell no, dude. Kyle, oh, I gave you too much credit. No, you think <laughs> I have any ownership in anything we did? <laughs> Uh, I still think farts are funny, and I always will think farts bro. are funny. Look, here's the thing with farts: you could stop does, it right I, now. <laughs> how does that saying go? It goes, it goes. People that don't think farts are funny live a life where they have the same amount of farts and they have less fun. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Clipped. 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 Yeah. That's gonna be. That's gonna be. That's, the, that's literally how I'm gonna start the podcast off. <laughs> And me. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's let it out. Damn. But no, we've definitely been talking for like three hours. Went over a lot. I don't know if we went over. I don't know if there was ever a time. No, frame. like we went over. We covered a oh, lot. Oh, got you. I got you. Got covered you. a lot of yeah, topics. Yeah. yeah, we talked about Tiger Kingdom for like two hours. <laughs> talked about Tiger Kingdom way too long. Dude, yeah. but if we cut in some of those, like if you cut in some of the clips from the BTS from that, or like, dude, it'll be freaking, it'll be, those will be some good. I just need Lex to keep his word and give it to I'll give it all to you, brother. Give it to us. Give it all to you. You can have it all. Perfect. All right, Bronxy, what you got to say? <laughs> That's a good ass dog. Yo. Bronxy. That's a good ass dog. How old Everybody is likes a dog. Four. A pod. Four? Yeah. Isham mascot right here. Yeah. What's up? What's up, dog? Just making weird ass noises. Uh, hell yeah, guys. Yeah, man. Well, y'all want y'all want to go over some more stuff? You should be rapping. Or you want to rap it? I'm down to keep on chatting. It's not like we're gonna do anything else. <laughs> 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 
Hold on. That DoorDash sounds good right now, though. I could order some DoorDash, though, while we do some. I'm hungry. What are the options in Malibu? Nothing. I can't do that. Dude, I'm not going to lie. There is a grocery store right next to us, though. I am so excited to start, like, dude. I mean, Thank go, you guys because I've had a great time there. tonight talking to y'all. Like I've had, I've genuinely really enjoyed this. So okay, so that's something that I want to do better at is find a a better group of guys that are not because like all of my boys in New York, they live to go out every weekend. Mm. You, but you can't. You, I mean, you can still be like, friends I've been, with those I've people. I've been sober just... for a year and a half now, and like I haven't, oh, haven't talked to them in a year. In and a half. year and a half. Yeah. What? You want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, because I did seven months this year with no alcohol. And the only reason I started is because my sister gave me a freaking beer on accident, dude. So I had a few. (laughs) So I had a few more. My sister made me have a sip of a beer and then I had a <laughs> listen, listen, listen. My sister worked at this beer at, at worked at it was a bartender at this at this bar. And I'd go see her sometime and she always had Heineken Zeros there for me. So she brings me this Heineken I'm there with my boy Rooster. I drink this Your Heineken. Boy Rooster? Yeah, my you boy Rooster Hodge, that? man. No, okay. Rooster Hodge. Go ahead, go ahead. Hey, he, hey, he was valedictorian of his class, man. He was homeschooled. Um <laughs> But uh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one, so I drink this beer head. and like I'm like, damn, I'm like, damn, my ears just are getting hot. And I was like, ooh, I feel good that I'm bitch right now. And I go, Paige, you gave me a fucking beer with alcohol. And she was like, oh no, they stocked this wrong and shit. So I was like, well, fuck it, I might as well have a few more. <laughs> so like, I just stopped drinking again two days ago. That was like two months ago. So two months of drinking, it's time to cut it out. Time oh, yeah. Ready. But yeah, let me hear your story. How deep do you want to get, bro? Balls um, deep, boy. Balls deep. Balls deep. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that cut that out. Please cut that out. Bro, I'm not, cut, I'm not cutting shit. <laughs> that was good, actually. I hope you have. I hope you do not have a female audience. <laughs> I do. It's like mostly female. It's actually yeah, mostly female. That's okay. Here's the thing. We're just. I mean, we're just. Having a conversation, uh, like, I feel like they need to see this side too. Yeah, and I, I feel like they need to see that. Yeah, of course, I could talk about positive things, motivational things, relationship things, but at the same time, we're all human. We cuss, we fart, we talk shit. You know, is my, is my mic on? We, now? Get, we get deep, we laugh. It's it's it's, it's the whole thing. I yeah. like. You, is it on? And I need them to see that. I, I need them that. to see that and not hold me to this perfectly curated. Peace, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want, the, I, I want healthy. more of this. I love that. Yeah, I want more of this. Um, Tiger Kingdom was the lowest mentally and spiritually and physically of my life. Uh, I was drinking way too much. I think personally, I was partying way too much. Uh, I hold myself to a higher standard to that. My ethics and morals were the lowest that they were ever. Uh, when it comes just to everything uh and then i continued to do after that because where i was i continued to do the playboy and vixen stuff and so that led me down the path of uh, crazy because i remember being a part of that group and and i think that we were touching on it but you're a product of your environment the quickest way to change behavior is to change your environment and so 
I was surrounded by corn stars and by people in that adult industry. And then I was surrounded by like I was going out and drinking. So I was, that's, that's who I was surrounded with. So in that group, I was just doing what that group does. Yep. And so I then had to take a step back and be like, okay, well, what uh, impact did I want to have on this planet? When I look back when I'm 80, 90 years old, what do I want to say that I've accomplished? And it's not shooting OnlyFans girls. Shooting buttholes. Yeah. yeah. And it's not shooting and, and promoting Vixen or Playboy. Yeah. It's, it's helping entrepreneurs create these unique experiences. It's creating these unique experiences myself. So uh, at the same time, the Airbnb started picking up and the business started growing. And then I kind of looked at myself and I said, uh, in order to have maxion, massive action, I can't lose the two or three hours of the morning of being hungover. Bro, it's, you can't do it. And then the mental fog for the days after that, that's it's, what I can't deal with. It, and the anxiety, it's not worth it. Yeah. You're hitting a reset button. When I was drinking every weekend, and dude, I partied my ass off from 16 to 24, just about. I mean, partied my ass off. But what I what you start to realize is like, A, your hangovers start getting worse and worse. But you might do good Monday through Thursday. You're working out. You're lifting it. You're lifting weights. You know, you're eating right. Friday comes around. You get a little drunk. Saturday comes around. You get hammered. Sunday, you're hung over, violently hung over all day or whatever. And you then terribly. Monday, you have anxiety. Tuesday, you have your mental fog. And then by Wednesday, you're like, oh, I'm starting to feel good again. And then you get two days of feeling good and boom, you're hitting the reset again. It is a nasty, vicious cycle. Yeah. And, and I used to get really bad anxiety about drinking. Yep. And so, but here's the, here's the, here's what I hate is people who get anxiety about drinking, drink, and then take anti-anxiety yeah. medicine to then hide the fact that they're drinking and feeling bad about it. It's, it's like, bro, let you guys know that parable about the fish and uh, the, the dead fish coming up in the river. No guy was saving, was trying to save these, these fishes that were dying in the river. They were coming downstream and there was a bunch of fish that were dying in the river. It was like, keep on trying to save them. And this guy was like, turned to his buddy. He was like, I can help me save these fish. I, I, might not have been fish, but he's like, help me save these things that are dying. And the guy starts helping him and the guy stops and he, guy, and he goes, what are you doing? Like there, we need to keep on helping him. He goes, stop for a second walks up the river and figures out wh who keeps on throwing these dead fish in the river or how these fish dying upstream. And so basically it's the concept of going upstream to find the root cause of the issue. And so like the anxiety for me started because I drank. So let's not, let's not try to solve an issue with antidepressants after you've already without without going upstream to solve the first issue. Yeah, you're so masking that's, the symptoms. Yeah. And so, yeah, stop drinking. It's been a year and a half. And I mean, my, my I used to go to bed at three or four, wake up at 10, and now I'm switched. Yeah. Now I'm up at four or five, and I go to bed at eight. But I will tell you, and I will die on this hill, the eight... The, the the five slash six to nine a.m. period is the most productive time oh. ever. Yeah. 
I have ever since I started waking up that early, I have finished my entire to-do list before the workday at nine starts. And then I come down for another cup of coffee at nine and I go, well, well my, my work day is done. Like, what do mm. I do now? It, it, and it's for, for, and it helped me. I'm not saying this is going to be for everyone, but switching that schedule and changing that environment, light years. Now, compound effect, con- compound effect, add in, find you a group of guys that have the same mindset as that dude and, re- and, and let, let them elevate you too. Mm-hmm. And dude, really see where that goes from there. Cause that, that dude, it compound effect, like boom, 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 shit just keeps compounding. Then like you keep making these steps in the right direction and they just stack, stack, stack. You're building the house. You're building the foundation of your house and every building has to have a strong foundation because without it, it's shit. And your yeah. foundation is going to be like, is what you're, is like what you're building right now. And like my, I was, I think I told you all this today from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Yeah, I told Thomas and Sager this today. From 5 a.m. or four one day a week, whatever it is, from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., that is 100% me time. That's an hour at the gym usually. That's me cooking a healthy breakfast. But before I do those two things, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I go downstairs, I sit on my back porch, turn the lights on. I have a daily devotional, like a little Bible thing I read. It's one page. Um, I meditate slash uh, manifest for 10 to 15 minutes. And then at the end of my journal, uh, then, I'll, then I'll journal. At the end of my journal, I have my, um, what do you call them? Uh, you write like, a, like, I'm great at making money. I'm great at this. And I'm-, I'm Affirmations. Uh, I'm, I'm positive. Affirmations. So then I read my affirmations. Um, I get grounded on the ground when I'm doing the meditating and shit like that. And that usually takes me an hour ish to journal and do all that shit. I go to the gym, I come home and cook a clean breakfast. And by then, um, you know, it's, it's about eight o'clock, but like that time for me is so important that that time by myself, that time, that me time is so fucking important. And then the rest of my day after that, like that's how you're saying that you've got half your stuff done from eight to 12. If I write a list down and just start knocking shit out, I'm like, I'm done with this thing by, mm-hmm. by 1231. And then you find, then you can add stuff to the list you can knock out or finish some stuff you didn't finish from the day before. Like there, another book I'll drop for y'all if I haven't read it is The Morning Miracle. Have you ever read it? I heard of it. Oh, dude, it is so good. That's what got me. That's what got me waking up. And in The Morning Miracle, he talks about Mel Robbins, the 54321 method, which I had already heard about it before. But that book, Mel Robbins, 54321. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and How to Win Friends and Influence People, like those four or five things right there were like insurmountable. Like, I think I got from them. reading in general is, is pretty awesome. Here's a problem though, is they call them, I'm one myself. Um, mental masturbators? Basically, like a, like a mental zombie, like a, like a uh, whatever zombie, like I need to start reading two or three books a year two or three times a piece instead of reading fucking 15 books and not applying everything that's in the book because I read or listen to while I'm driving so many books and I retain some stuff, but I'm not applying everything that the book is teaching me to do. If I would just read one book one time a year and apply everything in that book. I'm not sure if I agree with huge. that. Because I think the good, the good shit 
sticks. sticks. Yeah, but you can also reread a book a couple, a few times and be like, "Fuck, I didn't catch that." Like, well, so so I the books that stand out to me, I will, I'll read multiple times, but mm-hmm. I don't think reading not good books or books that don't oh stand yeah. out to you Trash. a number of times yeah is uh, no. Uh, valuable. No, that's that's a great point too. Like I just I read Jin in like a matter of six months. I read Jin Sincero's how, uh, "I'm a Badass at You're or You're a Badass at Making Money." Phenomenal book. Nice. Phenomenal like, book. For example, Think and Grow Rich is a book that everyone loves. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah. I, I, I started it, got like three four. quarters of the way, and then it wasn't for me. Yeah. But it repeats itself. Yeah. But for the same time, I like all read, I read $100 million offers and $100, $100 million leads four times. Did you really? Holy yeah. Shit. Just be, and I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad four times. Just because I resonate with that material. Yeah. And so times over for me was very important. Yeah. So I think it's finding the things that work for you and then times over the things that work for you. I haven't, wa- I haven't read $100 million leads yet. How is it? Oh, dude. Life's life changing. Better than $100 million offers? 10 times better. Fuck. Yeah. It's 10 times better. And it's very like, uh, it's, it's tactical. It's not like you can just work shit. harder. Yeah. I'm so tired of books that are just like, work dude, harder. work harder. It's like, all right, <laughs> I'm working pretty hard, <laughs> but it's like actual things to do. Like, and then Pat Bet, Pat Bet David's uh, new book. You like his new book? Uh, the um, five, the five. Your enemies has something to do with it. Uh, choose your enemies wisely. Your enemies is, is, wisely is, yeah. Well, it's not that one. Is it it, it's no, it's like the five pillars of something. Uh, his is his is good too. It's very tactical, and it's like and it, it's based off of chess, being able to predict the next five moves. Yeah. So I think, I think, yeah, I think reading is is has helped me in my life so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. I think I've learned more. And like you said, from after college than while in college or everything before that. Yeah. I also think that it's so interesting. A big demise in the education system has been trade schools. The demise of trade schools. Of people, not enough people They've going been frowned to them. upon almost. I don't even think, well, we weren't even offered them. Yeah. In yeah. California. Yeah. I mean, in our, our school. There were, like you couldn't do a trade school. Like I feel like there's a there's starting to become a shortage of like it's, plumbers, welders. Oh yeah, like, dude. It's, uh, it's talk about your Airbnb. What I asked like what's the uh, what's the labor market like? Oh, it's terrible. Right, yeah. there's a shortage of labor work. There's a ton of trade schools in Texas it's because people are Is being. That- I mean, also people are being discouraged to take on those type of jobs. Which is ridiculous, dude. Um, and these I mean, influencers are saying, idolizing the youth saying, yeah, so oh, like, I want to be an influencer. Yeah, so people are like, like, I'm not going to date a plumber. What the fuck? I'm like, well, Plumbers plumber. make great money. Which plumber is, that's wild, right? Okay, you know what so, I'm okay, so let's dissect that. And I don't want this to be like a bunch of just dudes talking shit about women. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely I, not. I, I definitely don't want that to be that either. Has that been this? This has, that has no, 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 it hasn't. But I know where he's going. I'm, I'm going to ask. I know where I'm going. Gonna, exactly. I'm going to ask a question, and I, I wanted I wanted to start the question with that disclaimer. <laughs> uh, do you think OnlyFans has 
what? Okay, let me let me phrase this correctly. What role do you think OnlyFans slash social media in general has done to the stigma of uh, of of male to female relationships? Uh, the the how the, men and women the, the dichotomy of male and female relationships. Yeah. It, what can you rephrase that question? Yeah. Um, what role has the stigma of OnlyFans? You okay? Uh, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. Just say it. Uh, <laughs> Do you think Do you think that there has been a we were talking about plumbers and 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 trades traditional trades that have been in decline. Yeah. Do you think that is a role a The stigma, okay. The stigma of like, I don't want to date. Mm-hmm. I've heard. Okay. A lot of women mention that they don't want to date men that make less money than them. Okay. Do you think that OnlyFans has hurt? the relationship bond between men and women because women with OnlyFans and selling nude or somewhat nude photos of themselves mm-hmm. are now able to make a large sum of money. Do you think that's hurt the wanting of men to go into that, these type of skill sets? Do I think it's hurt like, do you think that w- that men look at women who say that they don't want to the man to make less money than them, which then the man says, "Well, I then can't, in order to attract that female, cannot choose a plumber or electrician, but have to be the next Bitcoin billionaire." Oh, are you saying that it's okay? I don't think men are making their decisions to get with like an OnlyFans girl though. I, they just need to watch Fresh and Fit to get some. No, but I don't. I don't think. Right? I don't think we're 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 joking, joking. Choosing careers, being like, I want that OnlyFans girl. Do you don't think men I, are choosing careers based off of mating? I mean, yes, but in a way, everything that men do is because of women. Yeah, but in a way, but when you're you're trying to like correlate it to OnlyFans, I don't think. It Okay, so well, take OnlyFans away. Do you think that... Okay, let me ask you this. Do you... Do you think men should pay for every single... Like, should provide for women? Like, should pay for the meals? Should, like, financially take care of the woman? It depends on what stage of the relationship. Okay, so dissect that I mean, do I think the men should pay for first dates and stuff like that? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm kind of traditional in that aspect. Um, 
because I'm not going to take you out to a day if I'm not planning on paying for it. But also, I don't think we should be shamed for a coffee date. I don't think we should be shamed for a walk or taking you taking you to to lead to less and less expensive dates. Yeah, because at the end of the day. I think the point of the date is to get to know each other. It's not about me trying to impress you with the fuck yeah. with like a, a a free meal, six course, eight course meal or something yeah. like that. Like if the the girl, the woman who wants that as a first date is not for me, as he's she's for someone else, but not for me. Yeah, and I would it agree. Depends with that. because if this woman is taking care of my children, then I would feel the obligation to take care of her. You know, hundred yeah. percent. I don't want my wife to feel like. She has to work if she's taking care of our kids. Yeah, I agree. That's just me personally. But if they want to work, they can work. But also, like, if I'm just now dating a girl, like, I don't feel the need to be paying her rent, to be paying her phone bill. I'm not going to do that. Okay. But, yeah, we go out to dinner. Yeah. But I think that there are men out there who will do that. Yeah, there are. That's part of the issue. <laughs> I also okay. think that things are much different in rural towns and smaller smaller cities and so like smaller towns and smaller stuff like from where, where I'm from than they are in the city. Like shit is way different. Like as far as people doing trades and people doing this and doing that and how women and men go about going on dates and shit like that's completely different in a small town like where I'm from. And what and how so? Um People that plan on staying there and like they're, they're not worried about like the the whole like, oh, a man should be making more than me. Like the dudes like and guys and, and guys like getting a trade is like is very valued where I'm from. Like because mm-hmm. we were raised traditionally get a nine to five and hey, who's not who's to say that? Like, I mean, Cody Sanchez talks about like plumbing business. Like you will always have fucking work being a plumber. You will always have work being an electrician. And if you have an entrepreneurial mindset and you go and get uh, a trade a trade job when you don't know what to do with your life yet, you're going to, guess what? You're going to learn how to do that trade. Then you're going to go work for somebody that owns a business. You're going to learn how to do that business. And you might be like, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. Guess what? You already know, have a great grasp on a business that you know is going to make money if you run it correctly because your people need your service. Yeah. And there's a lot of motherfuckers that have made a lot of money in small towns like that. Like I know a guy, one of my dad's best friends, Robert Yancey, started with one eight or eight foot dump truck bed and grew it into a multi-million dollar company. And like he's living mm-hmm. his best life right now. And like he got a CDL. That's, a, that's basically like going to trade school, like getting your CDL. Like I don't know where I was really going with that as far as the dates and stuff like that go, but like things are just a little different in small towns and people expect it to be a little more, are way more traditional, even still today. Like even with all the social media and stuff like that, I think we lose a sense of our, not lose a sense of ourselves, but we get caught up in the bullshit in the city a lot of times. And we get caught up on social media and shit like that too with all the shiny things around us all the time. I don't know. That might I just might have just talked in complete circles. No, it makes but sense. Actually, actually, makes me think about how there. It, it could also be a situation on social media where it's a few voices screaming the loudest. Yeah. So it might not even necessarily be a representation Bro, of the I, mass I, population. I, I, um, yeah. Big cities. So, but I, I think it makes sense in big cities where 
I think. Um, like in LA, oh, you're a plumber. Like I think that's yep. a, that's a real, true statement that could come from a lot of women here. Yeah, like you can't. That's very much looked up, down upon in New York, in LA. Yeah, like even New York, it it's very at least in New York City, it's very very. If I introduce myself in New York, one way. Like work-wise compared to another way, it was a completely different response, mm-hmm. which is like wild to me. Yeah. So I think that there, I don't know. I I I, I have a hard time. wrapping my head around any person. And I think there's a group of females that do this. And I think that there's definitely a group of males who who do this, who say that you don't need the opposite sex. Oh yeah. And that like, I'm an independent woman. I don't need no man or men. You don't need women and you don't need them to be successful. And I think I personally think that, there are we, we we need each other to be successful and there and there can't be like a push of the like, right person yeah absolutely but i i don't think that it's i don't think it's healthy to say that you you it, you need You pulling that LA, bro. You really thinking about what you're about to say to, to not say the wrong thing, huh? No, I'm just trying to, f- I, okay. I want to formulate my words right I think okay. everybody, yeah. I think, I think people need other people and nobody gets through life alone like we all do. Yeah, I think yeah. you need, I think it's a two terminal, two person planet. Yeah. Like you, it's very hard to make it by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How about them? That, 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 that Uber Eats, though. What we eat, y'all hungry? Yeah, yeah. You want to hit a pause on this and like figure out food? Yeah, I'm down. Let's see what we got here. But but I agree. Yes, men need women and women need men. Yeah, and I just I, I don't I don't like the push yeah. of not neither of, do I of like of I despise like that women saying that they don't need a man. Yeah, like that's that I think that's stupid. I think that women need men and I think men need women. I think it's beautiful relationship that we. Have and I think that women compliment men, men compliment women. Yeah. So I don't like the push of yeah. the separation, which is I think is with that push is losing the family unit for sure. 100%. And I think having a fam- strong family unit is important. But I think there's also another push in the other direction too. Again, sometimes the other voices can he- seem the loudest. Seem but I, think, I think there is a conscious push, and there's a. a, a are a lot of people who think just like you that the family family unit is important and you know doing everything they can to keep keep the family family unit intact you know so that might just uh, be because I live in LA yeah and I get a lot of that type of city of angels right 
DoorDash is looking real sad right now. Really? <laughs> yeah. Looking like a tough option. It looks right, like liquor like stores, a vitamin shop, and Vons. How long has it been recording, bro? We've been going for three, three hours and 28 minutes. Holy fuck. Good shit, boys. Yeah, I'm going to hit a pause on this. Hey, so how do we wrap it? Um, if you guys have been listening this whole time, if you made it to the end, you were a trooper. <laughs> to be honest, we've been all over the place in this conversation. But this has just been a cool conversation with friends. We're catching up, and you guys got a chance to actually listen in and hear some of our stories and experience... Uh, the way we think. But uh, it's been a pleasure talking to everybody. Thomas is over here by the camera. I don't know if he's going to sit down before we end this, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, been, it's been really great talking to you guys. We definitely need to do this more often. Yeah, Lex, thanks for, for allowing, uh, like, bringing us into your home and letting us... And let's do the thing, man. This was fun. I really... I enjoyed the shit out of this. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah, I love it. So... We are going to peace out. Any last words, Thomas? I've enjoyed every second of it. So, yeah, thanks again to Lex for yeah, letting us uh, meet in, uh, in Malibu. So That's all Bronx, dude. What's up, Bronx? <laughs> Appreciate it. Let's get mm. some food, guys. Let's, Let's eat do some it. food. All right. We out. This is the Sacred Thomas Podcast.